Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and gentlemen prefer beers. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading Blonde by Joyce Carol Oates, starting with a beer. Hard one. A lot of hard ones in this book. There's a lot of hard ones. Oh my god, yeah. (laughs) This book probably had the word cock in it more than any book I've ever read. More than Fifty Shades. Except for that that rooster-raising novel I read. Um, So this is... (laughs) The opening scene is a young Norma Jean Mortensen, a.k.a. Marilyn Monroe, as uh, her crazy-as-fuck mother takes her for her birthday. And this beer is called, it was his birthday cake, and they didn't even care. Because, you know, they have birthdays and shit, and her mother really didn't care. And this is a imperial Wait, stout. that whole thing is the title? It was his birthday cake, and they didn't even care is the name of this oh, beer. I thought that whole thing was... <laughs> You could believe it from Evil Twin. It could be a paragraph. It is an 11.8% alcohol imperial stout with strawberry soft serve ice cream, vanilla cake, and rainbow sprinkles. I don't think the working title of Diabetes uh, tested well, so they called it this. Yeah, that's fair. That's what it tastes like. It tastes like... Cake. You let a child design a dessert. <laughs> More <laughs> chocolate syrup. <laughs> this is intense. I, I bought a four-pack of this. I don't know when this came out. Months ago now. Yeah, January. And I was super excited. And I had someone pick it up for me. I was like, oh, man, I should have had him get me two four-packs at least. This is going to be really good. And we, we opened the first can. And we all took a sip. And we're like, huh. Uh, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot <laughs> of everything. <laughs> Uh, the only thing I won't Much have a like lot of this book. I won't have a lot of toes after drinking all this because this is fucking intense, and it has only mellowed out a little bit in the in the intervening months. And you can really get the different notes of the different kinds of cake in there. Yeah, I, I, I only get hints of rainbow sprinkles. <laughs> which, I mean, do they really taste differently than any other sprinkle? I don't know, but anyway, uh, Blonde is a novel by Joyce Carol Oates. This is our second Oates book on the. Uh, Podcast now you counting do that, any Hall books. The the Hall and Oates fan <laughs> fiction doesn't count. <laughs> Marilyn Monroe does make many guys' dreams come true, just like Hall and Oates would say. This book came out in two thousand and was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize and all the other awards, but didn't win them for some reason. And now they're making a movie out of it because the judges didn't get through it. Yeah, they felt they just kept jerking it. <laughs> <laughs> they just kept like pausing, like let me go Google how hot was she really. <laughs> Oh, Miss, uh, what was the fuck? Miss Dreams or Golden Miss Dreams? Miss Golden Dreams. I think it's a miniseries because it's too long for a movie. It was actually, there was a miniseries made in 2001, but it was on CBS. Oh, so God. how fucking bad must that have been? Like a PG version of this? It came on after re- Two and a Half Men. Two and a, every scene had Two and a Half Men fucking Meryl <laughs> <laughs> But, like... A PG version of this book is like Kids Bop, you know, doing NWA. Like, like how can you? <laughs> this, this book is pretty out there. So it is an immense book. Uh, according to Wikipedia, it's 738 pages. According to my experience reading it, it is a million pages. <laughs> it is. It is. It, it took a long, yeah, long time. Incredibly long. I've been working on this for a month. <laughs> it was. It was intense. Uh, I, I do like when I read the Wikipedia article, jo- Joyce Carol Oates said at one point, she initially meant to write a short book. And I just wonder, why didn't you? Um, mm. 
I did notice after I literally got to the last page, I said the end, and then the next page was about the author, and that she is an award winner of the something something short fiction award. I was like, well, it clearly wasn't for this. <laughs> so it follows her life, I guess. I'm really not an expert on Marilyn Monroe's biography. It is a so, yeah. fictionalized version of her life. So I don't know what is true and what is not true. I looked up a couple of things as I was reading it because I was like, oh, fuck, I didn't know that. And some turned out to be true and some turned out to be just rumor or unsubstantiated rumors. So anyway, it starts with her as a young girl. I don't know if you how old she was, eight or something like that, six. Yeah. And her mom works at the studio. This is still the golden age of studio filmmaking. This is about 19, this is 1931, 1932, when Mar- Marilyn Monroe is about five or six years old. But much like Marilyn Monroe herself, Marilyn, uh, Norma Jean's mother was completely crazy and was this hot, you know, flapper, basically, you know, it was the twenties and Hollywood was a brand new thing. was still a pretty new thing. Um, it didn't say how loose her vag was, Nate. I don't know if we can call her a flapper for sure. <laughs> I mean, she didn't know who the dad was, but <laughs> so acor- uh, according to the book, her mom had two other kids that were just taken away by the father, and there's literally no other discussion of them for the rest of the book. And that that's a different father than Marilyn Monroe's father. And then Marilyn Monroe, uh, and so uh, whose real name is Norma Jean, and she's just she's just Norma and Norma Jean for most of the beginning of the book. She doesn't know who the father is. And in fact, there's a like sort of flashback scene where her father gives her $200 in cash and says, go get it. And a phone number and says, get it taken care of. But she doesn't. She keeps the baby. But Norma's grandmother knows how crazy her daughter is. And so, no, no, no. The child is going to live with me while you work a million hours at the studio, though not actually as an actress. Actually, she was in the film department, like cutting the film and also giving using like chemicals to probably develop it and do Where stuff like that poisoned <laughs> so she thinks she got poisoned which maybe she did i don't know what those chemicals do to you do to you because i um they are delicious <laughs> it's just pure asbestos film <laughs> the good old days <laughs> so but this the very first scene is Marilyn's mom named gladys comes by unannounced comes by i'm here to like take you away for the day because it's your birthday and to celebrate your birthday and you know six-year-old Marilyn is like yay this is great and and goes to gladys's little tiny apartment and it's weird uh but she's like yay okay and then the very beginning says that picture that's your fa- that picture on the wall that man that's your father you never in the whole book find out who that was though so only this year did they do DNA testing to f- determine who her actual father was. Twenty-two years after the book came out, really? Yeah, and it's. I looked an, at, I saw that too, but I wasn't sure if that was real or not. I've seen it on multiple websites. So either they're all reporting the same fake thing, or whatever. But it's like we DNA tested a Bigfoot, and this is what we found. Like I, I wasn't sure if it was that kind of DNA thing or not. Uh, I think it's legit. I mean, it, it's Wikipedia has it, uh, okay. but I mean, when, when are they wrong? It was, but a, it, was, there was a, it was a plausible result. Well, I mean, it's just, you know, some guy that worked at the studio and porked Gladys, whatever the fuck her name was. Mortensen. Mortensen, yeah. 
And uh, her, his great-grandchild or something like that, they did a DNA test on, and it matches enough that they're like, yeah, Marilyn Monroe is related to you, and that probably your great-grandfather's her dad. Pretty wild. She'd been dead 60 years, and as far as the book you know, tells you, boy, would she have liked to have known that. Uh, but it was uh, just a little too late. But that is that's that was like one of the things when I was reading the book. Like, is that true? Yeah, wow. I really knew almost nothing about her going into this. So I just knew her name yeah, was Norma too. Jean something because I listened to Candle in the Wind. <laughs> that's all I fucking knew. <laughs> Whatever it was in Candle in the Wind was my knowledge of that. And I may have seen that porn, the naked picture picture thing sometimes in, in my alone <laughs> sometimes. <times. laughs> <laughs> that was it. I've only seen one of her movies. And I watched it once, so I really knew shit about her. So this was... Uh, every every couple of pages in the book was like, what? Really? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, me too. Fucked up. I knew very little about her, and I've only seen... I think I've saw two of her movies. Well, yeah, but they I were... Shot. And Some they, Like It Hot When they came the out, they were for itch. young people. Like, why would you go see... <laughs> you were still looking for the halcyon days of the silent films. <laughs> She's no Charles Laughlin or whatever the fuck. Was that the guy in Birth of a Nation? <laughs> wow. Whoa, Nate. Jesus. We always always try to get us to watch that. I don't know why. It's good enough for Woodrow Wilson. It's good enough for him. It's true. He screened that at the it White was House. the first movie screened at the White House ever. And do you know what he said after they aired it? He wasn't like, that was nice. He said, it's that history was- writ with lightning. That's what he said. White and lightning. oh, so true. Yeah, yeah, white <laughs> lightning, obviously. As I sat in the afterbirth of a nation. Uh, so the very beginning is young Norma Jean, and then, and it's sort of like already pretty heartbreaking because you see how just like sad and you know already kind of crazy Norma Jean's mother is. She's also raised by her grandmother until her grandmother dies. Her grandmother dies, and you, and then there's Norma Jean, uh, literally discovering her, discovering her grandma, like not quite dead on the floor, but dying. She had like fallen over and gotten fallen over while on the can, and they gotten wedged between the oh, toilet man. and the bathtub, something like that. And of course, but six year old or seven year old, you know, Norma Jean didn't exact didn't know what to do, and. And the grandma eventually basically dies from that. And then she has to live with her crazy mother, who, after only a year or two, literally goes completely insane and has a complete psychotic break and is like, like literally sets the apartment on fire with both of them in it. And well, it's just she, completely crazy. She might have crazy. set the apartment on fire because she's an alcoholic and she would pass out while chain smoking cigarettes. Do you know, I've, I just learned something about this, uh, how in the 50s, when cigarette when people were like, I think cigarettes are bad for you. The tobacco <laughs> companies were like, no, <laughs> what's wrong with you? And one of the many, many ways where they were like, cigarettes are probably a problem was the amount of people's whose fucking houses were burning down because they fell asleep smoking. And the yeah. tobacco company's response was this campaign to be like, we need fire retardant mattresses. This is like, <laughs> it's the mattress's fault. Things That's, shouldn't be able to catch on fire. That why <laughs> You can't enjoy your menthols like God wanted you to. This is, why did we beat the commies? Like, While sleeping? That's, oh, that was a real thing. They're like, no, no, cigarettes are fine. It's the flammable house that's the problem. <laughs> Not in time for Gladys, though. 
Also, another thing Gladys liked to do. Yeah, yeah here was, we go. Jimmy's um, gonna get ripped tonight. <laughs> yeah, I've got four beers. I got to work my way through these motherfuckers. I'm starting with the strongest one because Gladys used to like to uh, cleanse the sin from little Norma in whatever words the fuck she used, where she would heat the bath up all the way and then keep dipping her into it to wash away the sin. And it was the olden times, so this might have been a clawfoot bathtub. <laughs> it almost certainly was, yeah. This is Clawfoot Bathtub from uh, Fifth Frame, and it is... It's a bowling beer, <laughs> Fifth Frame. <laughs> what the fuck is this? If Fifth this Frame doesn't make a with... beer aged in wild turkey barrels, they are missing, you know, bowling oh, dad joke heaven. Submit... We'll get them to listen to this and, sub... and uh, let, them, let them know. <laughs> this is a pastry chat with peanut butter, chocolate, and coffee, and it's 10%. And good luck to me, because this is my first of the four beers. Oh. Only ten percent. That's fine. It is a. It looks. It looks heavy. Oh, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> it's like a fucking chocolate milkshake. That's ten percent alcohol. <laughs> it's really fucking good. This is like. This is like if I left a bunch of uh, Rocky Road, the one with like chunks in it. It's got like marshmallows and lobs of chocolate. It's like if I left that in a bowl to sit and melt, and then I drank that. <laughs> and also there was liquor in it. So it's... God is good. God, that is... <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. All right, good luck, Proof everybody. God this is going to be a long one. I'm going to be right. fucked up by the end of it because I'm going to finish this one. Ooh, ooh it's, it's too good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good Lord. Okay. Well, so uh, Norma Jean's mom, Gladys, is a Christian scientist. Uh, which actually, I, that's no, no. She gets, she oh, gets in, right, right, right. Yeah, she yeah. yeah. She's like an evangelical weirdo, though. Like she's very she's specific. Insane. She's not a Catholic. They say that many, yeah. many times. Because <laughs> uh, God forbid, she's gonna blow one later. But um, her mom is not one. Yeah. Uh, okay. Right. Christian science is later. Is later. <laughs> this is the most mentions of Christian science I've seen in forever. <laughs> so uh, Norma Jean's mom, Gladys, goes complete. Just literally has a complete psychotic break and. Norm a norm a naked Norma Jean like literally age eight something like that literally has to f- oh, flee the apartment and bang on the neighbor's door like help help partly because the building's burning down because it's there's a fire and you know it, everybody's gonna die but also and so the neighbor has to literally like call the fire department wraps you know wraps her in a blanket and basically the next scene is that neighbor and another neighbor bringing Norma Jean to the orphanage because. Her mom, because Gladys has to be put into a institutionalized, asylum. yeah, institutionalized. Where she stays, it was she stays in some sort of institution for the rest of her life. Though she's in fact still alive when Marilyn Monroe what? dies. Oh, but she's okay. old. Yeah, <laughs> she, she, so she, she lives. Her. Yeah, she lives. I thought you were saying she's she still lives alive her, now. But, <laughs> no, she lives, but she does. Um, but she she is uh, you know unable to care for herself and goes through many many episodes and you will and, and Marilyn Monroe goes back to visit her quite a few times but li, but it was like like gaps of years in between some of them especially because Norma Jean is that now in a orphanage and in in LA because they're still in LA oh yeah we should also say that before before the psychotic break she and young Norma Jean would go to the movie theaters a lot and this is like would you call this the golden age of movies? I don't know. This is like, you know, the 1930s. These are huge, you know, where it cost a dime to go to the movie theater 
and then there were like they would show three different movies every night, and there were just and all so many herself. different things, and it was all these fantastical stories. And you get this metaphor of the Dark Prince, where where Man- Marilyn Monroe sees herself as the the fair princess waiting for her Dark Prince because of the movies, and she like idolizes these movie stars, and she loves the idea of movies, which she gets from her mom. But then she gets put in the orphanage and she has a window facing like this big sign that the RKO Studios, something like that. Um, the one uh, notable line is that so like Marilyn, a very young Marilyn Monroe is like brought to the, the head office of the um, lady who's running the orphanage. I forget her name right now. She's Mrs. the one who's the Middlestadt. She's the one who's a Christian scientist and introduces Marilyn Monroe to Christian science. But at that at that meeting on that day, she says, "Save your tears, kid. You're gonna need them." And this okay. is the woman running the orphanage. Like she knows, like this is gonna suck. This is gonna be terrible. Well, they're all orphans. It's a hard knock life for them. No, and she is a follower of Christ, comma. Scientist. <laughs> well, I like how he, he <laughs> Jesus puts his credentials. It's like on your resume. He like you lead with the important thing. <laughs> it's like, Messiah. I dabble in science. Jesus H Christ PhD. Yeah. Uh, oh, he's definitely got a chiropractor degree. <laughs> <laughs> Homeopathy. Yeah, he could yeah. be a phlebotomist. <laughs> you don't call phlebotomist a doctor. It was the olden times. He's he's uh he's Jesus H Christ DDS. <laughs> they're all all the doctors are like I don't know if that counts. <laughs> like fucking on him. But if you know do you know anything about Christian Science? It's a fucking craziness. They didn't they, believe in doctors before it was cool. <laughs> yeah, they're the uh, the OG anti vaxxers. <laughs> trust the science, my ass. <laughs> the I'll trust where, trust at, the scientist maybe <laughs> at Berkeley, where I went to college, the Boston one. There, down the street was the Christian Science Center. Like, like huge, seven Christian scientists. Like, there's the, how yeah, many, it was a, the no, huge the, I, reflecting pool. It is like one of the biggest, like, sort of like compounds almost in the city of Boston. It, it was a massive place with huge buildings. And I, one of the kids in my class, like, we went to his place to like do a group studying thing, and he lived in a special building, like a dorm kind of that the Christian Science Center got for Christian Science students like students that were of the faith. I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know there were any around that weren't running the monitor. That's where, I mean, I, the only one I ever met was an ancient professor. He was an old, old man. He's very lovely, but he did say he was a Christian scientist. They're all very like, nice. It's oh, just, yeah. you know, they just don't like doctors. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, I guess. I mean, who likes well, he insurance? He was a real scientist. I mean, I think he'd be down with doctors, but I don't know, to each their own. <laughs> but it's like not many of them. I don't know, anyway. There's not many he, of them. This was, it, this was the most I'd heard of the name Christian Scientist since then. I thought, oh, right, that's a thing. I don't know if this, I, this is one of many, many things in the book I didn't fact check, but if it is true or not, I think it was highlighted in the book so much because one of the things you do know, if you know anything about Marilyn Monroe, is that she, like, OD'd, right? Or, like, that's the, the yeah. official report. So knowing that she got into drugs and knowing that Christian, scientists, Christian science folk are 
against all sorts of medication and recreational drugs on paper, at least. I think it was to show like the transformation of her, you know, because yeah, she was, because oh, she was like, regularly administered the drugs by a doctor like Michael Jackson was. Well, that's later on when she's famous, but in like, yeah. early on when she has her period and she's like bleeding to death from like intense period or whatever she had. She's mega like, period. She had a symptom called a uh, disease called mega period. It was it, it was, was a full stop, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> she had. Oh uh, yeah. Um, but she, but you become religious. It's amen, sees. <laughs> but she wouldn't take a, a fucking Tylenol. She was like, "Oh no, I have to gotta just... pray the blood away." <laughs> Basically, yeah. So yeah. Marilyn Monroe is in the uh, is in the orphanage, and she doesn't really get adopted. I mean, so from the age no, of like her mother nine, wouldn't let her be adopted. Oh yeah, yeah the that's mother right. was an asshole because since her mother wasn't dead, they had to get the mother's permission. But she refused to let her be adopted. She was there for basically her in, until she aged out. Um, like 15 or so. Nearly, yeah, like, like 15 when, when she yeah, gets adopted by, by the Peerigs. And okay. so she's, in this she's is in like the orphanage 19... for a long time, right? Oh, Jesus. Oh, man. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I have a beer too, but it's fine. Oh, do it. You do no, 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 no. You have four. Go ahead. I only have okay. one. Okay. Well, she's in there for a long time, and she's eating that shitty orphanage food, and she's probably thinking, you know, I really, I've been missing my mom's spiced blackberry cobbler. This is a, I've been missing my mom's spiced blackberry cobbler by Evil Twin, New York. It's a six and a half sour IP, sour IPA with blackberry, graham cracker, cinnamon, and vanilla. What's that? Did you say banala? Like you, you weren't sure if you were going to say banana or vanilla. You yeah, just made it's, it. It's vanilla. It's uh, tastes like berries. It's also good. Oh, I'm sure. I don't mm. really taste any of the um. Graham Jimmy's cracker. having a good night. <laughs> I'm going to have a very good night when I drink the fucking the both of these. Um, and a shitty morning. It it tastes like blackberries, certainly. I, I don't really, it, 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 I don't know, it, I feel it's not enough sugar for it to be a cobbler, but I guess it's because the yeast pooped it all to booze, so it's still good. I'd still recommend it if you like pie and don't want to chew. <laughs> if, <you're, laughs> if your jaw is wired shut this Thanksgiving, <laughs> this is what you should have to get the job done. That's my next beer, Turducken Ale. No. <laughs> <laughs> so she's in the orphanage. And uh, they do a lot of drinking there, don't they, Nate? <laughs> uh, okay, my appearance for when she gets out. But okay, okay so by the, <laughs> finally, by the time she's like, fi- by the time she's lager. like fifteen, something like that, she yeah. her mother finally allows her to be adopted by a family in L.A. that t- has taken in actually quite a few uh, orphans, and she ends up going to high school, like regular high school at. I mean, she also went to the regular high school when she was an orphan. When she was at the orphanage, like Van Nuys. High I think, school. yeah, just Van Nuys High School, prequel to Van Wilder. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, basically, she's so hot. <laughs> she's just super hot. I I highlighted That's the theme of the book. <laughs> it, that, that is like could have been it. <laughs> um, I just highlighted the names of all the men. That were interested in her. And this is when she's like 15. Yeah, grown Because she gets married at 16. Yeah. They were Hawkeye, Codwaller, Dwayne, Ryan, Jake, Fisk, O'Hara, Skokie, Clarence, Simon, Lyle, Rob, Dale, Jimmy, Carlos, Idris, 
Fulmer, Marvin, Gruner, Price, Salvatore, Santos, Porter, Herring, Widows. Those are just the men interested in her as a 15-year-old. They that were they, soldiers, sh- sailors, marines, ranchers, house painter, bail bondsman, trucker, son of a rodeo beach, amusement park owner. It's just like... I think those were not just men that were interested in her. Those were men that she dated. But she yes. didn't do anything with any of them. It was just like... It was pretty like middle school dating. Yeah, point. but they were still grown-ass men dating a 15-year-old. Oh, yeah. Including one cop. <laughs> yeah, including... Uh, Frank Widow's detective. Yeah. Including a cop. Anyway, that's where uh, my beer comes in. Where this is train? from Beer Tree Brew, and this is called Visual Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, a triple New England-style IPA. Mm-hmm. That'll get the job done. And I would say Visual Fantasy definitely describes Marilyn Monroe. Whoa. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's it's good. It is actually quite hazy, quite juicy. Mm, wow. They're really going for the kinds of big IPAs that other half does. That's, that's what they're trying to make. And I'd say they mostly succeeded. So, yeah, good for them. Good, because I got three more of these in the fridge, <laughs> <laughs> which I will not drink tonight. I'm not like Jimmy. It's a big book. The night is young. Yeah. I'll be unconscious by 10. <laughs> Fuck, we're only be up to chapter six by then. Um. <laughs> so Marilyn is at Van Nuys High School and just kind of being a more or less regular kid, except for all of the full-grown men who are all trying to date her. And she already starts her, like, basically lifelong, like, oh, he's interested in me, and then pretty much is more or less willing to date them, whether or not she does anything with them at age 15 or not, which she probably didn't. But still, I mean, all the men were interested in her. And I guess it's not just that she seemed to like it. It's that she always, like you could say, gave in, like throughout her life. Like, Well, you know, I think for her entire childhood, uh, she got nothing. So that'd probably fuck you up. (laughs) Probably, yeah. (laughs) I mean, during her whole life... She really, like, didn't have family. She didn't have what we would call today a support network. And so she was. She had no. very little power. And, and she kind of, like, didn't know how to even take care of herself all that well. Uh, and, yeah, so she had a very hard life. Very much at the whims of mostly men. Everyone around her. And it starts here, here when she's, like, 15. So she's like 15, she's living in this house, and she's super hot, and the mom... So this is the first time, I think this is the first time in the book that you actually... The book shifts perspective to a different person, and you find out about Marilyn's life, and what you find out about is this is the mom of the the family that has adopted her, and she notices that her husband is just looking at Norma, just like he is definitely interested in Norma. And so she's like, "Uh uh-oh, I cannot have her in this house. I have to get her out somehow. But she's only like about to be 16. What do I do? And and it's like 1937, I think, 1938, 39. And she's like, what do I do? It's the 40s. It's it's right after the war. Um, During the war. war. Maybe the war is about to start or has just started. She's born in 26. So she's seven sixteen. That means it's forty two, right? Forty two. There we go. So and yeah, she's she like, gets a I job know at the factory when she's no, that, well. That's, that's later. That's well, when she gets married at sixteen. Yeah, yeah. But so she, right here, uh, the the mom named Elsie Pirig says, 
I know. I've got an idea. What you should get married. I'm going to marry you off and I've got a you know, a local boy. He's the son of one of my friends. He's 17, something like that. Or 18, 19. Somebody he's he's still a teenager also, just slightly older. And you guys should get married. And so, like why don't you just go and meet him one time? And so they do and he is of course Quite interested in her, although he's de- turns out to be like. What, what do you think the first thing he said was when he saw her? Nice tits. Well, a lot, he, he along with everyone else when they see her, they're just like, "Wowie, <laughs> <laughs> this is Wowie by Rheingeist." It's an ale with pineapple and passion fruit. And it's forty-six percent alcohol. I can't see how much it is. Five. It's surprisingly nice. It does taste like a slightly fruity beer. I don't know if it's pineapple or passion, though. You could have saved the slightly fruity beer then for when she meets the Geminis. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of beer, these beers were given to us. Bestowed. Bestowed upon us by those that would bequeath them. Bequeath? And people do bequeathing <laughs> in this book. <laughs> so. It's <laughs> a good amount. It, it, I don't know if the word ever appears, but it's it's there. You got to read implied. between the lines. It's. I think it was in the chapter that it really yeah. comes out. <laughs> like a breath of fresh air. So uh, well, maybe not that fresh. <laughs> Nate is so disappointed. <laughs> uh, Keep it going, guys. Keep these going. beers are brought to us by our supporters over at Patreon. Uh, if you just got a new one yesterday, gentlemen, did you see that? Quit yeah. your day jobs. Not today yet. One day. <laughs> uh, we can dream. If you want to support the podcast, you can by heading over to patreon.com slash Drunk Guys Book Club, where you can change your hard-earned money into things like early access to episodes, uh, exclusive content, shit I will mail out to you, voting in our monthly book poll, getting shouted out, joining us for our live episodes every quarter, which one must be coming up soon. So all sorts of cool things there. If that's your thing, we encourage you to check it out. If it's not your thing, that's cool too. You can support the podcast just by leaving us a review. Make it five stars. One for every two dozen times the word cock appears in this book. Uh, and, or just tell you someone that you know to check it out. Help spread the word. Thanks. Cheers. And so just like the word is being spread, these newlyweds are going at it constantly. So she marries Bucky Glazer, 19-year-old or 18-year-old Bucky Glazer. After knowing him for like six weeks. He glazes her all right. They yeah, do a lot of porking. They do mention that he, he keeps ejaculating on her stomach. So he does actually glaze her. It's, yeah. That's what I was, I mean, I was literally referring to that. Yeah. Nate. It's there, Nate. <laughs> they said it in the book. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, uh, it's explicit. In lurid? Is it lurid? It is lurid. So Bucky doesn't want her to get pregnant. Because he is still, he's thinking like, it's the middle of the war. I'm going to have to go fight. Or more like he wants to. And and after like less than a year of marriage, he basically joins the military and almost to like get away from her. Because even though she's very, like another thing about Norma Jean is like she, when she like, she's very driven. And when she like, she wants to be good or like do a good job at whatever it is she's trying to do. She really does work hard at that. She wants a family. She's just kind of crazy. And she's like 16 and she wants to be a good housewife. 
And she doesn't know how course, to do anything. She doesn't know how to, because she she's never had a family of her own either. So she really doesn't know, like, even, like, how to get along with people practically, but also doesn't know all these things. And she spends her days, like, trying to learn how to clean and, like, trying to cook. And she's, like, terrible at it. Of course, <laughs> you know, she had no experience. And she's still, like, so young. And also, uh, starting out, even at this part of her life, she is difficult her moods she's difficult emotionally and it's much more not just understandable like as a teenager because that's the way teenagers are but she gets actually even worse worse and worse and worse throughout her life and so for every every you know she ends up being married three times and each time it's like it must have been so difficult being married to her we'll get to those anyway she doesn't get pregnant. Bucky is the one who is like, you know what, honey? Can you just put this on and let me take pictures of you? Yeah, and at creeper. first, she's she's embarrassed by it. She's like, ooh, ah, oh, no. Uh. And But then, then he takes the pictures and then wants to fuck her. And then he joins the military and goes off to war. And he doesn't die, but they do get divorced. Because while but he's they, gone, she ends up working as a Rosie the Riveter type. And she Wait, gets oh, featured in a magazine because she's hot. Which you would think is a porn magazine, but it's because it's called Yank. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah really. Yeah, like, oh, is that when she did that spread? Uh, no, oh, those Yank. are directions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interactive magazine. <laughs> uh, no, but Yank was a, uh, <laughs> like a GI fucking, you know, the home front magazine. Her, her husband, though, like, don't cut him too much slack. Because not only is he like take these pictures in the lingerie, he's showing his coworkers the pictures. So check this out, it's my wife. And one of the guys like, "What the fuck is wrong with you, dude? That's your fucking wife." And he's like, "Ah." <laughs> the, the husband was an asshole. Like she might have been weird and difficult to deal with, but certainly the way the book is written, she's yeah. the victim. She's mm-hmm. it, she was wronged in almost every opportunity of her life. Also, throughout the book, He's a there's, dick, like these little, there's these little italics passages that sound like they're from interviews, and I was not sure if they were real or not. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like, you know. They said, like, oh, they do a thing, and then, like, Bucky is just like, you know, we were just too young to get married, you know, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I, was that taken from somewhere, or is this fake taken from somewhere? It's like looking at a, a retrospective from a, a person that exists, but maybe this is fake. I, I honestly don't know. There's a little note in the very beginning of the book from Joyce Carol Oates that says, this is not a biography. This couldn't even begin to bring in all of the stuff that actually happened in her life. And so there's actually more. It's You're amazing how it's a 750-page yeah. book left stuff out, yeah, which this is book like crazy. Been longer? <laughs> could have been or shorter. We'll talk about that at the end. Uh, yeah. But still, there are way more things that, that happened. And so maybe, and also because it is fiction, I have no idea how real any of these parts are. You know, did, did Joyce Carol Oates just take some, sort of like the mag, major events that are, that are well known and then just invent all the details? Probably a lot of it, but you never know. I imagine for someone like Marilyn Monroe, who's such like. She's one of still to this day, like one of like the top, I don't know, like not earning, but like revenue generating public figures. Like her image is used to sell so much shit and is used in so much, you know, just 
whatever. Which is a big part of the next section. I mean, she's still of one course. of the most one of the most famous people of the 20th century. And yeah, so when she died, and even before she died, like anybody who knew her who could say anything about her would. You know, she's one of those figures. So like, I, I was reading things like Jerry Lewis, that fucking douchebag comedian who I never thought was very funny, who lived to be a thousand. Just died a few years ago. Was he a cousin fucker? No, that's Jerry Lee Lewis, the Gate Balls of Fire guy. Jerry Lewis is like the Nutty Professor and the Dean Martin movies in the Uh, 50s and 60s. In like 2010 or something like that, shortly before he died, he was like, I fucked Marilyn Monroe. Oh, he's the guy guy that throws throws confetti? No, no, that's that's a different guy. Jerry Lewis lived to be like 95. He was, he did the Jerry's Kids. Like he did, he's like, the French love him, and they shouldn't. No one should. <laughs> what? He okay. wasn't that funny. I remember when I was younger, and he, I mean, I'm not actually that old. So when I, I seen one of the, the telethons, the, like, <laughs> Jerry's yeah, Kids, was it March of Dimes? Was that what it was? I, I can't remember. Doing a telethon, they're doing, like, the, doing like a thing, and, you know, the, he's, like, telling jokes on stage and also being like, oh, and please call and donate. And then he's, like, telling jokes, and I remember... I, it, nobody's laughing. And then Jerry Lewis just going, these are the jokes, folks. These are the jokes. It's all for charity. But it's like, holy shit, you are not funny. Pay and I'll stop talking. Don't think he was particularly funny. I don't think he's funny. Maybe at the time, he's a big fucking, you know, uh, draw. But the point is, like, he, even he, like, 50 years after the woman was dead, he's in an interview. And he's like, yeah, like, they're asking him about whatever. And he's like, I fucked Marilyn Monroe. Like, anybody who ever, like, crossed paths with her, paths with her would talk about it. She's just like this magnet for attention and and people trying to ride on her dead coattails. So and on her. Oh yeah. So I'm sure a lot, like Joyce Carol is. I'm sure she did a tremendous amount of research. There's so much out there. So many interviews have been given over the years where people talked about her in any sort of context. And a so lot who of the fuck knows? Of course, yeah. I'll, I'll agree. Well, Jerry Lewis, I think, was the one who said if all the guys who claim, or maybe it was. Maybe it was him. Anyway, somebody said if all the men who claimed to fuck her actually did, she would have never had time to make the movies. So <laughs> uh, she was just like this magnet for attention. And um, you know, she was such a celebrity somehow. Like everybody wanted to you know, be next to that bright light and it could shine on them a little bit. Fuck Jerry Lewis. Um, so she talking about how hot she is. And the book is called Blonde. And they comment many times. Specifically, people are like, Check out the ass on her, right? Mm. Could you describe that as some yellow cake? <laughs> Jimmy laughed. Jimmy laughed at it. Both of yours are cake. What's that? Both of your beers are cake. Yeah, but uh, I'm, I'm going by like more like the urban dictionary sense of cake. Didn't we use this one for fucking um, we've Saddam used Hussein. Mo- we've used this multiple times this year. <laughs> cake is a slang, as far as I understand, for butt, and she's blonde. Blonde hair is yellow. This is yellow cake from Finback and with somebody else. And we've had it multiple times. And it's a delicious lemon vanilla IPA. That's uh, great. Not as great as Marilyn Monroe's ass, probably, but it's really great. Well, I mean... <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> the things she's known for besides her ass are, <laughs> are her boobs, which they bring up frequently. Basically, and every also, sentence after the ass sentences. <laughs> yeah. And also how she, she's quite she's quite pale. So oh boy. <laughs> would you say it's like a like a re, like a like a pale mountain range like a like some Sierras? 
This is a Sierra, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Well, they're in California for much of the the book. Yeah, you know what those are. Yeah. Of all, uh, like you, you need to squeeze this, that beer see in. Picture? <laughs> see this picture on it? Those are, those are, those mountains. They look like boobs. They yeah. Back then, they still wore those very conical, pointy yeah, very bras. conical. They're deadly. Uh, this is a standard beer you get anywhere. Uh, Grand Tetons. Oh yeah, Grand. Tetons, <laughs> <laughs> California. That's what that means. That's what that means. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'll play it, sir. <laughs> this is from Chico, California. So that, I don't know where that is. Ch- California's fucking ridiculously big. Like, yeah. but this is a unless you say one of like the three cities anyone else knows heard of. The others are all judged on how close they are to those cities. Yeah, basically, like, is that north or south California? And you're like, I don't know, I guess. (laughs) I have no fucking idea. Um, But this is, uh, everyone's had a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. And it's it's fine, you know, it's good. It's a standard thing you get anywhere in mass. And they're always like, yeah, that's fine, I'll have that. It's a good go-to, you know, cheap beer that you can get at a supermarket. Were you just cleaning out your fridge, or did you buy that for today? No, I had I had a bunch of these, and I was like, I could absolutely use that. <laughs> <laughs> then I got three more. <laughs> okay, so we're still like barely really anywhere. balance out the uh, heavy stout and the pie one. <laughs> so I forget where we left off. Yeah, okay, so there's she's gonna get her picture more, taken. So she gets divorced, or more like between also while she's getting divorced, and Bucky is like. On a like in the navy, I think he's in the, he's in the, he's a merchant, the merchant marine. marine. Okay, so the fucking the worst navy. Let's just I don't know the worst navy. Okay, they were very important to supplying Great Britain, except yeah. like they weren't. It wasn't quite the same as fighting. It wasn't. It wasn't storming the beaches of Normandy. Yeah, and he was in the South Pacific. So Marilyn or Norma, Norma Jean gets a job at a factory. I think they're making airplanes. She's like riveting. Airplanes. Anyway, it was oh, she's in riveting. the factory. <laughs> she's always riveting. Uh, she's working in the <laughs> factory and like very much like Rosie the Riveter. She's like living on her own. She's making, she has her own income and she's like, this is great. Many women at that time was like, wow, hey, this is pretty cool. Meanwhile, you can do stuff there and is have a, opinions. A, a one of those like, one of those uh, like, you know, magazines or basically they send a Yank. photographer. They, it was either Yank or it was one of the other ones. They send a photographer to take some pictures of the women building the airplanes to like, and he happens to notice like, holy shit, this one is so hot. <laughs> and so like takes a whole, takes a lot of pictures of her. And essentially because he's a photographer, he basically, you know, prog- he takes a lot of Pic- photographs of, of models That's and stuff like t- that. <laughs> so basically he, he mainly finds models and is like, you know, photographs them in a studio for magazines or on the beach oh, this- and stuff like that. So he's like, oh, you should do more of this and basically launches her career or at least is her, her career as a model. And so then she does that and she's modeling for this. And then she's hired to be like, just a girl at a convention of like, you know, just to stand there with a sign that says like, hey, buy war bonds. No, it wasn't that. But she she does a lot of like, you know, and she's being paid, you know, like $20 for the day or, you know, not very much. But she has a lot of those and she's, but she's like, she's in, uh, she has a lot. She's, you know, the miss, I didn't uh, write down any of these quotes or anything like that, but she's like, you know, miss like, Iowa Farm Equipment, December yeah. 1946 or something like that. But there's like a whole series of them. And his name is Otto 
Oz or Otto Otzi. That's what I thought it'd been Usi. I did not know how to how to pronounce that. The O with an umlaut over it. You could write in and tell us how we're wrong. Auto erotic. <laughs> oh man, I saw that um like unexpected umlaut or whatever the fuck beer. I forgot to get that one. <laughs> unexpected umlaut. <laughs> We've had it another time. I can't remember what it was for. Marilyn, she like becomes a model and she's living in LA and it's like nineteen 19- 47, 1948, and she's being moderately successful at it. She's been in a lot of, she's on a whole bunch of calendars and a whole bunch of, you know, like different ad placements and doing okay. But not that okay because she's still poor as fuck. One month, she runs out of money and she has to go to the photographer, Otto, however, however you pronounce his name, and like, okay, I you know, won't you give me some work? And he says, like, yeah, I can photograph you nude for 50 bucks. And she needed the 50 bucks, so she did it. And then those, like, there's sort of, like, a recurring, like, plot about how those pictures are out there or the negatives of those pictures are out there. He will later sell the pictures for thousands, tens of thousands of dollars, sell the negatives, like, to, a you know, magazines and stuff like that. He sold that photo to Playboy for the first centerfold ever without her permission because he owned the photos. He owned the photos. And he got paid for it and she didn't. And at that point, she was already famous movie actress, which was in 1951, 52? 51, yeah. Um, and so that was like a big scandal, almost ended her career, but then didn't because the, the studio was like, we'll still make money. Yeah. Anyway, so fine. she dis- so at this point she's like kind of modeling but also not making a lot of money and she's taking trying to take like acting classes and dancing classes and singing classes and she's not really all that great at any of them. But she tries really hard because she's like I have to succeed or I'll die. It's like I have to do my best, I have to be good at this or it's death. Because she has nothing. If she fails, she has nothing. She has no family. She has no education. Like, she quit high school at age 16 to marry Bucky Glazer. And then when he got back, she got div- they got divorced because she had a job and he wanted a housewife. And she wanted to do things. And so she, like, tries so hard to, like, do well, be successful, do a good job. But everything is stacked against her. But she manages to just barely squeak by, really just by being hot. That is kind of also the story of her life. Um, she eventually, like, kind of finds an agent, and then she eventually uh, gets her first audition. So she get because the agent helped some of the this director, this director, like, get out from under the uh, House Un-American Activities Committee by, like, yeah. paying off basically some senators or House members or basically, like, Helping them out, and so he's like, "You owe me, Mister Director." And a lot of these, a lot of these people who are actually real people, who are real people, because this is kind of a biography. Was this agent a real guy? I wasn't sure if it was. Yeah, I'm not sure, but when they're listed as in like just a letter, or it's like this is Mister Z, I think it was. Those are all real people. Yeah, Mister, those are real people, and also when she marries the ex-athlete or the playwright, those are obviously real people. I, I had thoughts on why they're called that, but we'll get to that at the end of the book. Well, I think it's um, lawsuits. Oh, maybe. 
that's actually what I thought. But yeah, who knows? Sense. Anyway, that so she was pragmatic sense. So she like gets her first like kind of audition or more like the agent is like, you're gonna cast my new you're gonna cast my, you know, client Norma. Doesn't even have her name yet, doesn't have in the name Marilyn yet. You're gonna cast Norma in this for this like little bit part. Give her something because you owe me. And he's like, Well, I already had somebody else in mind, but okay, I'll bring her in for an audition. So they bring her in. And it's super weird. It's like super awkward and not very good. She's very nervous. Yeah, she's super nervous. And she has a stutter. Yeah. She kind of has a stutter for a lot of her life. You know, yeah. she stutters kind of a lot. It's like all the time in the book where it's like, okay, but baby. Yeah, apparently. I don't know if she had a stutter in real life. I, I really don't know. I guess I wouldn't be surprised. So Marilyn, she gets, she has her first audition. And it's super awkward and weird. And the director is like, I already have somebody else. And then she leaves. But he also, and the, he and notices, the director is like, he notices that it was, it was weird, but he also notices that she's actually quite good. But it's like, like she's she had, not acting. She's, yeah. It's she's like, she's, like she has no, like she, she has no that. professional training and she's got no real acting techniques. She just can do it, but she's very uncomfortable. And or she notices just, that. Or she just, like, tries really hard. Actually, this very first audition, it really isn't that he thought she was really any good. Maybe she thought, maybe he thought she had potential, but she wasn't any good. What he says is, but look at that ass as she walks away. And he's like, you know what? All right, I'll cast her. Well, that's what they say in, in, the, in the book is, like, the, her entire future was going to be determined by what this man said. Because he's thinking, like, she is good. I could use her. But I can't be seen as being, you know, like actually thinking that because she's just some the dumb blonde. So I have to make a sexist comment as she leaves. And it's like, and from that point on, that's what she's known as. Because, yeah, he's quiet for a long time and everyone's looking at him like, what do we do, boss? You know, like they're because they're all just like, yes, men. So if he makes a joke, they'll laugh. If he says something mean, they'll snicker. You know? But he goes there. But really, the way it was described, it's like she like has this like outer body experience when she fucking acts like she becomes she's like Stanislavski's the shadow actual in body experience yeah in yeah well <laughs> most people had an in her body experience it seems that's but true she, in this book yeah she just like becomes the character and she's like I think this character would have done this this is what she or she goes this is what she did right she's like becomes them I don't know if and that's what she does for the rest of the book is so she, she slowly becomes a character herself. So right? like, like she becomes the character, but in, in, in a very unhealthy way, like she, she, she pleasures it. <laughs> yeah. She like becomes a, a little bit detached. She becomes more than a little detached from reality. And it's like, not only just inhabits the character too much and can't separate, like this is me and this is me acting. It's like, she kind of like, does it way too hard? Also, well, she, I'm a, sure she did that all the time too. But that's a big. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big part of what happens next when after she maybe uh, does or does not get raped by the studio head because she absolutely gets raped by the studio. She head. does, but then later on, she's talking to him and she's like, "I, I don't really talk about that. Wasn't I? Don't have an aviary. I have antiquities." And she's she's wondering. Did that happen at all? Because she's, it is very likely that she did at this part in the book or in real life. I don't know. I don't know if that was a thing that happened in real life. But she gets more and more increasingly detached from reality 
and wonders if the things that had happened early in the book actually did happen. I assumed all of that was like her compartmentalizing shit, you know? Just it's, I mean, it's also just taking a fuck ton more drugs at that point, so it's hard to tell. It's very likely she did get raped by this studio head guy for like his assistance in being cast. And then she goes back and they're like, you can't be called Norma Jean Baker. That is not a hot name. To be fair, Norma is not a hot name unless your last name is Stiddies. Uh, Norma <laughs> is not a great Norma name. Norma Stiddies, yeah. Norma Stiddies. Like, I'll see any movie with Norma Stiddies in it. <laughs> but it's not a hot name. No. Mer- so Meryl Monroe does they... have like a nice you know, ring to it. Yeah, and that's when they give her this name, and she's like, "My great, my grandmother's maiden name was Monroe." And they're like, "Ah, M M." Well, they're like, "She's like, can I just still be like Norma something?" They're like, "Fuck you, shut up, woman!" And then she yeah. mumbles. She's like, "They're like just ignoring her," and she just says, "Like Monroe is this," and they're like, "Aha!" Because they're like Marilyn Morgan, Marilyn Moynihan. <laughs> like they were going through all. They wanted a mmm sound because they loved Campbell's. So. <laughs> and so from that point on, she is then. In public, Marilyn Monroe, which is not a real person. And so she is then playing the part of Marilyn Monroe everywhere she goes. So for the most of the book, she's still called Norma Jean. Until at some point later on, she gets famous, they keep calling, she's referred to as blonde actress when she's no longer Norma Jean. They would never do that to Norma Studies. (laughs) No, they leave that. They would leave that B. (laughs) Uh, They leave that double D, I think, what you mean. (laughs) Right. Of course. <laughs> so she lands like this, like tiny little, like one scene role, or it's like very minor. And then after the movie, like it's finally premieres, everyone who saw the movie is like, who's that blonde? They didn't care about the main woman in, in it. They're like, who's that blonde? And so then the studio was like, hey, you know what? She, we could give her a bigger part. We should, we should She's give in her two a bigger scenes part. of it. Yeah, this was the asphalt jungle or something like that, right? Actually, I think this yeah. was before the asphalt jungle. So this no, was so like think, the this was her like very first. Oh, maybe no, that's the very no, the very first movie she gets basically cut out of it. She's just in the background of a she, shot. You know, she got a few bit parts and she gets dropped by the studio. And they then drop her. I. And that's Shin, the hunchback Jew, as they keep recalling him, with the big head takes her on and gets her this thing. He She gets dropped by the studio, and then she's so desperate. The important thing here is that she shoots the nude photos. Yeah. So she gets big and famous, and at this point, the naked photos of her come out. For and, they're like, and they're like, what the fuck? What are you going to do? And she's like, oh, no. And this is when she gets into trouble. But then they realize, like, we still make a lot of money off of this. And I wrote this line down because it was poignant. It said, the studio meant to market the blonde woman's body, but only on its own strict terms. It's like, yeah. It's like, oh, we're going to make movies based around this lady being hot, but we can't show her boobs off. Because they still had a censor back then. Yeah. We kept talking about, like, we've got to be able to show her, like, underneath this sheet, showing her cooter off, but not too much because the censor will get us. It was only in the later, the mid-30s that they started censoring films. Before that, there were no fucking rules. And then there were a bunch of movies that went way too far that had, like, child nudity and shit like that in them. Like, the famous one was a movie called Child Bride. (laughs) Jesus, that's like, straightforward. I've watched it. It's fucking weird. Uh, it's it's ultimately against child brides, but there's a lengthy scene of like a nine-year-old girl swimming naked in a lake. It's Jesus. like, why is this here? You don't see anything, but like she's yeah, naked. It's, it's like, creepy. It's really fucked up. So the, the Hayes Code shit came out and it was like 
fucking draconian. Like, this is where you get the idea of, like, married couples can't sleep in the same bed kind of nonsense in television and film. You know, like, overly... You know, like, Puritanical. They yeah, like, they can't... They have their, like, code words for, like, pregnant and shit like that. You know, guys... It was, like, in the 70s when someone said the word pregnant on TV or some shit. And they had a truth baby. <laughs> and then everyone was like, oh, shit. We've been silly. Yeah, it was ridiculous. But titty's got a tit, so they're like, we got to figure out a way to get him in here. These titties are too good to not show. That's basically what the producers, uh, the film executives are like. And they're all just like fucking Marilyn Monroe are making her blow them. like to Maybe. Well, yeah, but there's passages where she's like going, like there's a passage where she goes through like all the different types of cocks that she's had to deal with. And it's early in the book. It's like 40% yeah. in, 35% in. She's like... And there's the little cocks and the smelly cocks and the wrinkly cocks and the red cocks and the dirty cocks. And they're like, Jesus Christ. And she's like, they just all, because it's like Harvey Weinstein. Every fucking guy is Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, pretty much. At To, to start. <laughs> like, that's the default. And then there are guys that are worse. That are like, hey, man, you got to chill out a little bit. <laughs> she has to deal with only that. It's, I mean, I know the book is a work of, you know, fiction, but I am sure. It's realistic. Because there is the, I forget, it gets used in the, it gets used in the book, like the quote, like there's this like legendary quote she said, fuck, I'm not going to remember, but she said, she got like hired for something, she's like, well, that's the last cock I have to suck, and like, yeah, yeah, I remember that one. Oh, or it's the last cock I have to eat, I think is what she actually said. Ugh, that's, that's worse, it, actually. Yes, she wasn't like Jeffrey Dahmer, it was, like, <laughs> <laughs> but they were all abusing her, and she's just... No one is. She was exploited. Her. Oh, yeah. Because they lock her into these contracts where she's being paid weekly, which is, I guess, not a thing that exists anymore. So this was the old studio system where you signed a contract, you got paid a certain amount, and they have like, and you can't work for any other studio. You can only make movies with us, so we can entirely control your career. But we only pay you a thousand dollars a week, which is not nothing at the time. Except That's a huge also. Sum of money. It is a, a lot huge of money. sum of money, but the studio is going to bring in millions of dollars, and she oh, yeah. and, you, and you get a flat rate, a thousand dollars, and then it was like she eventually got raised to fifteen hundred dollars, which. But that, that's the thing. But they're also like your agent takes a fee, like all these other people take a fee. So you don't necessarily you don't see all of that money. They mentioned it. They're like her last movie. She got a hundred thousand dollars to make the movie. And most of it went to other people. Like she was never rich. Like she lived well. She also spent a lot on drugs. Well, she's but she's constantly borrowing money. Yeah, she wasn't like like able to do whatever she wanted because she wasn't making the money that everyone else was making off of her. You know the Marilyn Monroe persona. You know, like diamonds are a girl's best friend, and you know, and she's so glamorous and the most admired person. You would think she is filthy rich. You would think she has like everything. She's a millionaire, but she was not. She struggled with money for a lot of her life, and she kept having to like she kept having to have an abortion so then she could go make another movie because she was out of money. Instead of having a baby, instead of having a baby like she wanted to, she spends the rest of the book like lamenting the abortion. Thank God the Supreme Court struck that down. (laughs) (laughs) So no woman ever has to lament again. That's the message of the book. (laughs) There you go. Ahead of its time. 
And yet behind is time also. Well, because she laments it because she had to, you know, seriously, she laments it because she had to give up the kid to have a career. But all she fucking wanted was that kid. Even though it was when she was with her weird uh, bisexual thruple partners. Do we introduce So actually, we have it. This is is the part where that that comes in, where she meets... Cass Chaplin. Mama Cass Chaplin. (laughs) (laughs) There is is a lot of sandwiches happening. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do some California Reman. (laughs) So she meets the Geminis, also known as Cass and Eddie G. And Cass is the son of Charlie Chaplin and the disowned son of Charlie Chaplin, but looks just like him. And Eddie G is the son of Eddie G. Robinson, who I'm not even sure who that is, but I'm He's sure they were very famous actor back in the day. Mo- he played a lot of gangster types. Hmm. And they uh, are gay lovers, but also bang Marilyn they're, Monroe. They're probably bi. At they're this like, point. yeah, exactly. They're bi. They're like, you know, they're a. They're, they're fucking they're Eiffel. Eiffel. Yeah. They're Eiffel Towering her. Like, literally, there's a scene where they, like, Wobbly the first time, the, the first time they have a three-way on, but like every time it's a three-way. She's like, it feels like there's a. I think it's like it's weird when only one of them is around. She's like, I don't know. Yeah, and, and uh, so constant three-ways lead her to get pregnant, which she then aborts because but she has a, to have this career. But I know, like there, there are like ten percent of the book. This passage, uh, this section of them, they're using her too. Like they're fucking. Oh, they're terrible. They really suck. They're like disowned. And they're talented and beautiful and, like, really capable, but they're just like, ah, I'd rather just go do a lot of drugs and shit and, like, party, and I'm mad at my dad. <laughs> just, They've got typical, like, child of star syndrome. Yeah. And, it, and I looked it up. Like, so I look, this is one of the ones I looked up. There is no hard proof that she banged Charlie Chaplin's son. That is a rumor. So this might be one of those places where I, I would imagine the... Bisexual thruple is a place where Joyce Carol Oates took some liberties. It's certainly possible. I have no idea. It's pretty... Like, how would that... If that... Infor- I, I just feel like if that information was concrete, that, you know, hey, Marilyn Monroe for a while, she was fucking two dudes and they were fucking each other, we would all well, know they that. They mention... Because everyone talks about who she fucked. Constantly throughout the whole book, they're talking about, like, everyone's talking about all the people she's banging. Like, everyone. Like, back when... At the end of the book, oh, yeah. when she's talking about... When she... uh before she bangs JFK, they, they call him the presidential pimp, like the guy who like <laughs> vets women for the for JFK to bang. I was like, oh well, this lady, you know, she's she's banged a thousand billion men. She's had a dozen abortions, and she hangs out with commies and Jews, and she, you know, she does all these things. And it's like, it's, everyone has all these rumors and hearsay about her, and they all just believe it. So we're never we're never really sure. She definitely banged a bunch of dudes. She's probably forced to many times, but it's never really clear that she banged nearly as many as she's rumored to have because it was the back in the day when like, oh, look at her. Of course she's banging dudes because she's hot. She must be. That's and, why she got a career. But well, the, the thruple is the second of her four major relationships and they leave. And pretty much right after that, she gets she with... She leaves them. Well, she, she, leaves, she leaves them she has after the she abortion gets the abortion. And, and she dips and she leaves them. It's like, oh, like got to get away from here. And pretty much right away, she hooks up so, with so someone the, else. So the... Stu- wait, v. hold on. So the studio... V for Vendetta, guy. The studio is like, 
oh, the, we, like, you know, she's be, had one or two very successful movies and she's become this like huge like celebrity icon, but she hasn't been in a lot of things and the studio literally writes a movie for her. And the movie is called, was it Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend? Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. There yeah, you go. Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, which is a musical. Although actually... It wasn't entirely written for her. It was actually on Broadway first. It was a musical on Broadway. It was like, like a no, no, review. No. We want like you show. to do it. And Marilyn, like at first she's like, well, she says no because she's pregnant. But the studio's like, no, no, no. We need you for this. And at she first she's like, I can't sing or dance. She's happy she's <laughs> pregnant. But then she like freaks out and it's like, no. I guess I need the money or I just need this is my career. I need to keep doing it. So then she goes, she calls Mr. Z in her, in his assistant gets her an abortion. So she has her first abortion and then she does the movie. And then she like the studio gives her like dancing lessons, acting lessons, singing lessons. And then she like does all of it. And there's even a passage like slightly later where it's like, Oh, she spent days and days and days in the studio, like recording the songs, like recording her voice for the songs. And it was just like practically every note had to be cut from different takes just to get one that was like on pitch and on key and actually put it together. So it sounded okay because Marilyn wasn't actually a singer. This is way before auto tune. Yes. It would have been way easier today. One take. (laughs) Yeah. Good enough. We'll get a couple of Swedish guys to patch it up. It'll be it'll be a hit. So even even the ones she doesn't sing, they mentioned she would do dozens of takes because she said had, everything had to be perfect. Because her acting scenes, right? She would yeah. As she embodied the character, and I I don't know I don't know what to make of that, right? Because there were a lot of Stanislavski and other acting tome quotes as you know little epigraphs and chapters, and she's mentioned reading these things. Is she trying really hard? Is she like really gifted and talented, or is she just like in the book? Doesn't know what the fuck she's I talking don't know, about. I, don't, I know. don't know what it is like in real life, but in this fictionalized version of it, she is that good. She doesn't have any techniques or training, but she is just able to figure out how to do it and do it realistically. She's Possibly because you know it's implied that she is acting every minute of her life. And there is no, almost no real Norma Jean. Mention when she's in the orphanage, she learned how to please the parents so that they would adopt her, how to sell it right away. Didn't work. Because her mom said no. Should have worked on the mom. It doesn't work on what they called paranoid schizophrenics, even though I think they just called everyone who was mentally ill that back then. So who knows what she actually had. Well, they they just flipped a coin. They're paranoid schizophrenic or hysteria. Yeah. It's <laughs> a lady problem. I don't Women's know. disease. Yeah. Too many periods. <laughs> okay. Too many. <laughs> <laughs> Too few? Whatever. <laughs> the wrong number either way. Not a, yeah, not the right number of periods. <laughs> so Marilyn does gentlemen for prefer blondes and then like you know becomes this huge giant megastar. And you would think at that point her life would be going great, but still she's actually not being paid very much. And she's, she's locked into like a seven movie contract. Like they've got her for a and long time. And she's still being paid $1,500 a week, which is not nothing, but not nearly, but it's not like millionaire money either. 
Not even close. She, she finds out, she asked, I forget which other actress is like, they're thinking of you or her. And she like, well, how much is that person going to get paid? In the, well, they're going to give her, because she's not in the studio, they have to pay her. You know, they're negotiating and she wants a hundred grand. And then she does the movie and Marilyn's like, I've got fucking like 18 grand. Like, it's bullshit. But I'm stuck. What can I do? And also during this time, she's getting increasingly doped up like a racehorse. So this is where literally the studio has hired doctors to basically, I mean, it's sort of like, you know, make house calls and make house calls for their most famous stars, which is a, you would think is a good thing, but it's actually a bad thing because she's being given all of these drugs, like drugs to stay awake, to wake her up. Yeah. Drugs to stay awake so she can like perform and like be on set, but then, but then other drugs to stay, to go to sleep when it's time to sleep. And it's so bad for you. I know that even like in a slightly earlier era, the exact same thing happened to a young Judy Garland, where they were giving her the same, probably more or less the same drugs to same drugs, yeah. Stay awake, all. stay awake, so that to be on when they were like shooting, but then sleep when there was sleep. And she, and it's very addictive, and she was never able to break the habit. And Marilyn Monroe <laughs> also suffered for, from that. That's why you never speak of an old Judy Garland because <laughs> she fucking died. Like yeah, she, she died in her forties. She didn't Marilyn make Monroe it died her. when she was thirty-six. Yeah, I mean, I guess by her standards, Judy Garland was a geriatric then. But yeah, that was just the thing they did to all these people. Like these, it was, it was. Uh, they really, I'm sure there is some similarity to today's celebrity. How they kind of get you know used and replaced at will. You know, whenever they stop making money, people like stop giving a fuck about them whatever but here it's like pretty clear that they're just a pro they are like a piece of meat to be used and the moment it's like vaguely less than useful like fuck it gone your contract's canceled go away this is also back in the day where they're like oh this is the doctor's giving this to me therefore i'm sure it's fine it's not like i'm snorting heroin it's like the doctor came and gave me a doctor wouldn't do anything that's bad for me so everyone's just taking drugs out the ass and in the ass. Well, she asked the doctor at one point when she's still kind of a vaguely Christian scientist, is this addictive? And he goes, honey, a life's addictive. <laughs> he walks away. Yes. That's literally what he says. Like, yeah, but we have to live. Huh? Okay. That's not an answer, really. But, you know, that's kind of the whole point, I guess, right? Like, they're just like, uh, just do what you're told, woman. So then at like the height of Marilyn's fame, suddenly you start to hear about the ex-athlete. That's just what he's called. Joey D. Well, we know in real life this was Joe DiMaggio, which is, you know, superstar baseball Jolton Joe of the uh, Yankee, New York Yankees, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the New the York, though, now he's died and gone away. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> It's so the, uh, a like re- Joe DiMaggio just after he was retired, but he's like this huge mega super sport superstar literally is like, oh, she's hot. And then calls uh, essentially one of his people, some agent or someone's like, hey, do you, you set up a date with her? I want to date her. And so does. I'm sure those were his exact words. <laughs> I mean, and so uh, yeah. according I'm to this, to like fuck that he like called somebody to like call one of her people to like, Hey, set up a date. And so they do. And like, they have a date and it goes fine. And then they date some more and she's immediately like, Oh, okay. Or he's like, we need to get married. I love you so much. And so I they do speak bibbidi bobbidi boo. 
And he was a Guido. He, he does constantly <laughs> like, oh, we've got a big Italian family, and she's learning learning the new words like fettuccine, which I I'll guess at the time was a new word. You gotta make it the sauce. <laughs> and she calls him daddy. Which is creepy. Which she also does with her next husband, which we'll get to later. He's but, like, Ming! <laughs> but the, so the movie... <laughs> I mean, sorry, the, the book like, ref- only refers to him as the ex-athlete. He had just died when this book came out. So I wonder if there's some... I wasn't sure because like they specifically name Charlie Chaplin Jr. and Edward G. Robinson Jr., whatever his name was. But then... George DiMaggio is the ex-athlete, and Arthur Miller is the playwright. I wonder if it was like, was it a litigious thing? Was it like a legal thing? Or was it just to make the focus on her? I, I wasn't sure if it was My to, I, so, guess. Also, like very much later, she says, like, like basically, um, when they're filming Some Like It Hot, C hated her guts and thought she was like the worst thing ever. And obviously, that's Tony Curtis. Yep. Because that's who it had to be. And it's like, it, it has, I would think it's actually because both it's a novel, but because it's so much based on Marilyn Monroe's life, they were worried. It, she, Joe's Carol Oates and her book agent and lawyer had to be worried about defamation lawsuits. I really think that's what it is. I, I was, that was my, my first response. My first thought was, is it to keep the focus on her? You know, like these other characters don't have names. You know, it's all about Norma Jean and mm-hmm. Marilyn in air quotes. But then when they, some people do have names, I wasn't sure what to make of that. It's I got this, like, I, I, my, my best guess, and it was my, you know, high school English level guess was like, maybe it's like, because she's Norma Jean for a while and then she becomes blonde actress for like the last third of the book where she's just lost in this fictional person. So I thought maybe people that had fake names were like, playing this role of themselves that wasn't really them. I don't know, because both Joe DiMaggio and Arthur Miller seem just like that's who they were, but I don't know. I, I was, it was my best guess. It's, it, I feel like it'd be really weirdly pragmatic if it was just because she was worried about getting sued. But, but, you gotta work. I mean, he, but that's he, a real concern. Joe yeah, DiMaggio definitely. died in March of 99. <laughs> the book came out in 2000, so like, you know. His estate may have she actually given her place. Oh, she couldn't find her place because Joyce Carol Oates writes for all of her fucking book in longhand. This book well, somebody only, types them. The <laughs> amount with the amount of sex in this book, it was clearly written in schlonghand though, because <laughs> the word cock is on every other page. Yeah, not that there's anything wrong with that, but there was a lot of cock and cunt to make it to even it out. There weren't that many cunt. Uh, there was a cunt. Lot. Her cunt mouth. Was sent many times. Like I don't even a know what to make of that. Hand, a handful of cunts. <laughs> Saying cunt cunt mouth is never. I don't think it's ever a compliment. Oh, uh, no, no, it's not a compliment. I mean, I've never <laughs> seen it on a Hallmark card, so I don't really know what to make of it. Well, she has a red going, cunt you, mouth. You've been going to the wrong Hallmark stores. <laughs> it's. It was. How wow. else do you celebrate Mother's Day? <laughs> <laughs> I just write that in by hand usually. <laughs> Here you go, cunt mouth. Happy Mother's Day. Can't believe you're still alive. Your son, Nate. And then I said it. And I, Nate. <laughs> Nate always wonders why his mom won't call him after Mother's Day every year. So she's with Joe DiMaggio, and she's getting jolted. 
He's got a strong hitting streak with her. <laughs> but also he gets excommunicated because he was divorced and then he married another lady and now he's excommunicated. And his big Guido family is like, oh, Fazul. And she's like, I don't understand anything you people are saying. And they're like, we're not people. <laughs> we are she a stereotype. Is, and, she's, and, and she says like, oh, and so much garlic and everything. All the garlic breath. And yeah, garlic is good. And she, like, seriously, is difficult, or at least her moods are, like, very difficult to deal with. And he's, and, and his, the rest of his family is like, you can't control your wife. What are you doing? Like, Letting come her on. her have opinions and do stuff. And she's not just, like, a good Italian housewife, like, just cooking a lot of Italian food. And the rest of his family is judging him. He's like, uh, oh, what? And he doesn't like it. And then she's going off to do... Uh, more movies where she j- plays merely she's the sex pot. That's all she is. She's just the sexy lady in the movies made written specifically for her to be the sexy lady in. And she doesn't like it either, but she's like, this is my job. This is what I get the mo- paid the money for. And then uh, he, like the studio, wants her hotness to just be for him and to be used as he wants it. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, you're my wife. You you don't need to do that anymore. He doesn't want her like, to no, make any movies. I, I mean, admittedly, he is more than wealthy enough to support them both. He's spending a lot of mozzarella. But she's also it's like a lot not of happy. dough. <laughs> <laughs> but she's also like not actually happy in the marriage either, because his family is like kind of mean to her. Yeah, they suck, and she is still and like he hits her. And, and he hits her first only a little bit, but then he later. had the longest hitting streak in baseball history. <laughs> like, how were we surprised? He's not going to stop. He had to keep going. So <laughs> uh, she, the studio offers her, like, we have this new movie that we want you to be in. It's called The Seven Year Itch. And it's specifically My like, you're the, you're the hot lady <laughs> upstairs. <Kevin> clap. <laughs> <laughs> Which... I have actually, so I started, you've, you've I remember. Clap? No. <laughs> it's like a round of applause, more like. <laughs> you watched that movie? So I remember starting <laughs> to watch that movie. This is I the one don't the, think I made it all the way through. Everyone knows the scene from it, but no one's seen it, maybe. Yes. But to be honest, so like vent, yeah. where Marilyn Monroe plays just like, oh, she's the hot lady upstairs in the upstairs apartment and the man and the. Down. The, the idea is that the premise is that every seven, every man, even in married man, even every seven years, you just really want to cheat. That's isn't that when it. all the cells in your body are new? <laughs> is, is that true? I think that's just a coincidence. But yes, I believe that it's a real thing. True. Yeah, yeah. Every mm-hmm. seven years, all the all the cells in your bodies have have died and been replaced, so we're, we're all new cells. See, Except I don't for those think that's ones that actually like, true either. But because aren't there ones that like don't replenish? Like that's why you just get generally shittier as you get older. And most of them replenish way faster than that. So like, why seven? I think that's just a. I think it's the lowest common denominator thing. Maybe the slowest ones are every seven years. <laughs> So anyway, I remember, <laughs> I mean, it sounds. has been a long time, but I remember the movie also being not that good, but... I'm sure most of these aren't very good by today's standards. Pretty stupid, but, but no. basically this is where the studio is like, you know what, we're going to make... The studio first had like, so Marilyn had broken her contract by marrying Joe DiMaggio and not doing any movies, and so like, okay, we're not paying you at all. 
and had broken her contract and we're mad at you. But they're like, we're going to make so much money from this movie by having another movie with Marilyn Monroe as the hot girl. So, you know, so she wins and they're going to pay her $100,000 instead of just $1,000 a week. They're going to pay her $100,000. So she basically wins against the studio. For the first time ever. Yeah. But it also is bad for her because her husband is really bad. Like, she's, like, filming all the time, but then also they go to New York to film the scene with her in the white dress over the subway grate. And they're, like, filming, like, literally, like, from, like, midnight to 4 a.m. And they're, like, filming us during the night. And it takes hours and hours and hours. And there are crowds of people, like, watching this happen because... Um, they're, they're, they're filming it on an actual street in New York, and that's where the most iconic photo comes from. They actually, and, and it says this in the book too, that the studio, because uh, the film, because like the picture was like released, or like you know some other photographer like released the photo photo of her with the the, the skirt like you know above her shoulders, you know. She's just like barely pushing everything. on the crotch part of it, and the rest of the yeah. And so the studio, the studio got enough like bad publicity that like okay we need to redo this and make it more tame so but so that like so they actually don't even include that they did it in a like a sound stage they had to recreate it on a sound stage and not use that but anyway that night joe dimaggio is one of the people in the crowd like watching that and he's like that slut bitch how could she do this to me and so after after the film shoot she goes to go back to the hotel and then he beats the shit out of her so Based on what I have read on the internet, that, I don't know if he beat the shit out of her for real, that's kind of, but that is why he divorced her. I mean, he was kind of like uncomfortable with her fame anyway, but that event is when he was like, I'm out. He got the seven month itch. (laughs) He stretched it to almost nine. You know, he tried. (laughs) Then he, then he dipped. We're more like, she dipped because. Well, yeah. He beat her. According to the book, according to this book. But that was also a rumor that he beat his ex-wife, and she was like, he would never do that. And he was like, in the, the passages from his perspective, he's like, I never hit a woman. How dare she make me hit her? It's like, what? Okay. It's not a baseball guy. So that's husband number two down. Strike. And then she's like, does more. She's still like famous in Hollywood, but then it switches to New York because Marilyn is like, Fed up with like like the Hollywood movies, which are both like she, you know, she's the superstar, but she hates it because they're terrible movies. And she goes to New York and she tries to like she wants to be a real actor and learn real acting. So she goes to New York and meets with Perlman, who's the director of the like director of a lot of Arthur Miller's plays, and also like this is like serious New York ensemble acting like real like method acting that you learn and you do when you're an actor there. And he calls her or she calls him and brings her in to be a, to read for one specific part, which is a part of Magda in a play I'd never heard of by Arthur Miller. I don't even know if it's real. It probably is. Well, I mentioned it was a play that they put on just for like industry people. It was like a, like a, 
It wasn't like a widely released thing. Yeah, and according to the according to this book, this is a play that Arthur Miller had been like thinking about since he was a very since he was very young, and he had like written some scenes like twenty years ago, and like picked it up and you know done some parts sometimes and some parts the other times, but it had never been produced ever before. And so this is an unproduced Arthur Miller play. This is after he'd won a Pulitzer Prize for Death of a Salesman, which is not named in the play either, but, you know, it, it's about that. And so he, so she's in New York trying to be a real actress, and the studio is like, cut her off, but she's there, and she meets Arthur Miller. And she's just so hot that Arthur Miller, who's, you know, he's like 40, he's almost 50, he's married, he has kids who are already nearly grown themselves. And he also doesn't give a shit about his wife anymore. And have you seen what the guy looked like? He didn't. I actually he haven't. Was, what does Arthur Miller look like? Just picture a 1950s accountant. She was... Ooh, yeah, okay. ...light years out of his league. Well, the first picture that comes up when you Google Arthur Miller is him with Marilyn Monroe. Oh, uh, when, the, when they're cutting the cake picture? He looks like, he looks like a Christopher Lloyd with bad glasses. I can see that. And yeah. no fun. Great Scott, shitty Scott. <laughs> uh, yeah, he he was. He's not a, not a looker, you know. Why, smart guy, you know. But he, he by was, many that accounts, was, what like one of the greatest American playwrights of all time. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you get. I mean, I'll listen. The world is not fair. The smartest, most talented guys don't get the top shelf gash. You never know who's going to get one. But we do. <laughs> no, you never know who's going to get a big dong. But you do know the way the world works. The good-looking, nice, talented men don't get the hottest girls. They do call it the, the cut shittiest guys her legs or the gash multiple times. And, and you know, I'm just so glad a woman wrote this book because if a man <laughs> wrote this book and it was like she had a gash between her legs and it just bled, it was yucky. <laughs> It'd be ridiculous. <laughs> but there was so much period shit. She did say the word boobs several times. I was like, oh, that's funny. It's a great word. It's like she had some. She had some real boobs. She didn't say jahoobies once, though. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, any word for them is great because uh, they are great, and apparently hers were the best. Though you look, it's funny reading this thing. It's like, oh, she's wearing a dress, and her tits are basically falling out. And you, when you look at pictures from that time, you're like, man, that is tame <laughs> compared that's to... That's a regular, everyday dress. That's <laughs> what nuns wear. Like, like, you could see her tailbone and her, her cooter was hanging out. I was like, that's like a, that's, that's like a dress you could wear to work. My, my kid's <laughs> pre-K teacher wears that. Like, that is just what you wear. Shocking. The standards uh, were different then. They, they, that's really what it was. The standards were dramatically different. The guys still wear like a you know slacks and a shirt, but the, the but women, sometimes part of the penis was uncovered. It's very weird. <laughs> well, you get like a little like a little door sewn into like a pants leg. It's like you can't show the tip, but you can show just part of the shaft, like a midriff. It's like a it's like a weird cuckoo clock effect. Just <laughs> open this one little thing. Nate is tuned us all out. He's like, I fucking are you done guys. yet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So she hooks up with Arthur Miller, and they end up at some point, you know, married, and they're in England, and he's putting on a play. He put, they're filming a movie in England with, oh, who is Orson Welles, I'm guessing? It's another guy who allegedly fucked her, yeah. 
Oh, Orson Welles. For someone that was like Lawrence Olivier, is that who that is? No, that's Orson Welles also makes another guy that allegedly fucked her. Oh, yeah. Like it does. I, there's I a million guys Orson that Wells, allegedly fucked her. Uh, maybe it could be Lawrence Olivier. Yeah, I assumed. I, no, you're probably he's... right because they mention Lawrence Olivier by name. She oh, yeah. mentions Lawrence Olivier by name multiple times in other places. O. So when they told this specific person that she's making the movie with called O. No, the movie the is o- called The Othello Adaptation. <laughs> the Prince and the Showgirl, right? Director Lawrence Olivier. Oh, it is Lawrence Olivier. Well, director Lawrence Olivier. Who was in it, though? The actor, was it Orson Welles? Stars Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe, Lawrence Olivier, Richard Wattis. So it is Lawrence Olivier. Oh, yeah, because Orson Welles is American. That, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just looked <laughs> it up. I assumed he was fucking. No, it's Lawrence British. Olivier. Okay, all right, yeah. I was wrong. I was going to say, because the funniest part of, Lord, of Orson Welles is his final role ever before he died. Was he was the voice of... He was uh, like uh, the fucking Transformer thing, right? Yeah, the, he was the voice of the, the Transformer that eats planets. <laughs> he was pretty big at the end of his life. Not career Unicron. He was a he Planet-eating Unicron, and then he died. <laughs> but Lawrence Olivier was uh, much bigger, I guess. I don't know, you hear the name Orson Welles, you think that guy's got to be British, right? His name is Orson. He's from, like, Ohio. And it was just because they misread, misread the naming certificate. And they were like, daughter or son? And he's like, Orson. Fuck. <laughs> His name was supposed to be Jerry. Where was he from? I think he's from... Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Oh, even... Kenosha. Even more ridiculous. The, the Vienna of America, of course. <laughs> That's actually the Vienna sausage of America. Like, oh, I don't know if I really I want I don't know that. what it looked like. I don't know. Uh. So they're in it. And, you know, he's like, he's like a big theater actor, even though he did a lot of movies. And uh, he's judging her. But in the end, even, she, even he is impressed by her with the finished product because he doesn't understand how stage versus film works. And neither do I, so I can't comment on it. No, yeah. I have no idea. I know they talk louder in theater. But they, there are many, many comments throughout the whole book about how, like, theater is real acting. Because you have to, I guess, because you, you can't like, fuck it. it up. Yeah. yeah. You, you can't you do get a million 46 takes. takes. You just got to go with it. And you do more than two lines at a time. Yeah. Yeah. You got to do the whole fucking scene at least. You know, whole the whole fucking act. play. Yeah. You got you to gotta, you gotta bathroom break in the middle. That's why they do those fancy movies now where you like, it's like a long single take thing. They're like, oh, this is like real theater. But it's a thousand no. takes they just stitched together. <laughs> they just No, they, they just, uh, like for um, Birdman. Do you ever see Birdman? Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was multiple takes. You could tell where they spliced oh, well, in. I mean, they, they're yes, but it's not a thousand cuts. takes. It is like, they, it's like three. They did, they did a lot of takes, and they just used the best one. But, you, but they, there are certain places where you can see where they cut to get the next scene. But each individual scene is one consistent take. They just did it a bunch of times to get it right. Well, I still thought the movie was shitty, but uh, <laughs> I fucking love that movie. Um, it's Michael Keaton at his best. Michael Keaton at his best was uh, in that Will Ferrell Mr. Mom. movie. <laughs> oh. When he just, just creep, kept, kept quoting TLC. <laughs> <laughs> you guys keep it easy out there. Don't go chasing no waterfalls, you know? <laughs> As he worked at like a Bed Bath & Beyond. <laughs> so Marilyn is like really incredibly upset because everyone, she's in this, she's gone to London, she's gone to England to film this like stupid movie that she hates and everyone hates her, including the director slash lead actor, Laurence Olivier, who has just incredible disdain. And she's also like, the doctors are giving her all these drugs and then she's taking drugs on her own. 
And this so is one of just many like times. It was candy. And, and this is not even the first, close to the first time that she like basically takes so much that she was going to die, but she gets her stomach pumped or she just she, throws it all she up. She was like, she was, um, she like passed out on set. Yeah. And they're like, uh-oh, get her stomach pumped. We need a lady doctor. You don't Jeez. pump it that way, Michael. No, but like, they're like, yeah, <laughs> ladies. That's not, that doesn't lead to the stomach. Well, I don't know. Agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> and she did that, like, she had already done that multiple times in the book. Going there was another time the 20s. back when she was married to um, DiMaggio, or like after she got divorced, where she like ditched her car, ran into the ocean trying to kill herself. Or maybe she was just doped up and couldn't tell what was fucking going on. And they had to pull her out of the water and save her. So like, she's almost died multiple times at this point. So after the um, British movie, Arthur Miller, her new husband, the playwright, Arthur Miller, like takes her to Maine and they like, you know, just for like the summer, like we're just going to go hang out at this beautiful, like sort of like uh like beach house in Maine and we're just going to stay there and she gets pregnant and she's like going to have, and she's like so happy. I'm finally going to have a baby and they're there for a while and Arthur Miller is still like, man, she's still difficult, but I love her. And then, but Marilyn's like getting like crazier and crazier. And then she either like, so she falls down the basement stairs and which leads to, and so she has a miscarriage at, I forget how many weeks. 16 weeks. Yeah, it was. Oof. Yeah. So she was like, you know, quite pregnant. And then she has a miscarriage. And, and then it's not really, not really sure if she fell down the just by accident or if she was fucked up on something, which is very possible. And then she's like, you know, in the hospital for a week, like almost dies herself, and the baby definitely dies. And then after that, like she is horribly depressed. And this is the first time in the book, or at least the first time that I noticed that the 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 sentences become like run-on sentences with like ampersands between them instead of just the word mm. and. And it sort of, you know, leads into the, her, you know, Marilyn's like a mental state of just... It becomes more unhinged as she does. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't even really explain a lot about how her marriage to uh, Arthur Miller ended, but there is the scene where she like, she basically just like picks up a guy... She's she's not even like, oh, hi, Marilyn Monroe, want to go back to a hotel? She just, like, picks up a guy and fucks him and then comes home and she's like, eh, I just don't care. At this point, it's, it's, honestly, I don't remember that part because it's hard to tell what's even going on sometimes because it's so disjointed and, like, spacey. The whole book started pretty dreamy and here it gets uh, off any sort of reality that it ever had. She's also doing just a tremendous amount of drugs. Yeah, she's on she's on so many drugs to keep her awake, to like let her sleep, and she like barely sleeps at all. Uh, she ends up um, okay. So Arthur Miller writes a screenplay for her, and I forget what it's called. Oh no! So she did some like it hot. She uh, no. So this was I guess it was some like it hot. No, this isn't the one. So, okay, so she ends up doing some like it hot at this point when she is incredibly depressed and like losing touch with reality and she is like the most difficult person to work with because she will just not show up on set she or she will show up like six hours late 
Yeah. You know, it's almost like also she can't sleep. So she's like, can't, so she can't actually get to sleep till 4 a.m. And then they want her on set at 8 a.m., but also it takes her hours to get into makeup and costume and stuff like that. Or sometimes she doesn't, doesn't show up at all. And everyone on set is so fed up with her, including, including the main actors, one of which is just described as C, but you can pretty much guess that that's Tony Curtis, which is like, you know, had to be her love interest in the movie, but he hates her. It's like hates her guts because she's just like so awful to work with because she doesn't show up. And, and when she doesn't show up, everyone else on set has to wait. Has to be like, I'm just going to sit around here doing nothing till she shows up and she's ready. And some days she doesn't come at all. And it would be, of course, very frustrating. Uh, but then she does it. And then some like it hot is a success. Though the still she does very stupid. The, the, I think The Misfits is the one he wrote The for Misfits. Her. I'm thinking of that one. Yeah. Like her last one where she's like the, the first time not p- playing like the hot girl. And she like does well, but no one likes it because she's not playing the hot girl. And she, it's the last thing she made, basically. It's the last thing she finished. Yeah. She was filming something else when she died, but I don't remember what that was. Yeah. But I think he was he wrote the screenplay for that. He did. He said it was like his gift to her was like a role where she wasn't just a boobs the grand tetons <laughs> yes but the movie doesn't do well and even though like critics said yeah she did well in this no one saw the movie or not very many people saw the movie so it doesn't do well and she kind of like clearly has no future in terms of you know or no future in terms of like doing real acting she has no future in that but she's in her 30s by now and she's not like the young hot girl anymore and no one wants to see her do real acting so she gets divorced from Arthur Miller, and her life is spiraling out of control more and more and more. Uh, one and she day she's <laughs> at a party, at a pool party, and she's just sitting out there, and one of the people at the pool party is President John F. Kennedy, and who was a quite the womanizer. I believe Those are a, uh, some great titties. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to uh, motorboat them. <laughs> Ask not what I can do to your cunt. <laughs> but where in this country I can do it. <laughs> I so have the, a dream about them boobies. I will launch a man to the moon in my own vessel, Spunknik. <laughs> <laughs> On that ass. That was the whole of his presidency, yeah. That's what he did, basically. <laughs> I'm going to fuck that pig in a bag. <laughs> no. So the Nate, you president. Shitty, you, can you do a shitty JFK, Nate? Can you, you try? Gotta do, you got to do one. Nate. You got to do no. one. <laughs> you're the, you're from the closest to there. You're, you can yeah, do just, it. It's in your blood. We're not good at it. Just do it. Man. Just say you're our jelly. Donut. Any any other pl- <laughs> any other famous line? Not even JFK one. Four score and seven years ago, I saw a booby. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn about them titties. Just anything. So he, in the book, oh. he's just referred to as we the president. We have nothing to fear but queef itself. Huh? That's not Kennedy. <laughs> that was the point. It doesn't have to be Kennedy. Yeah, it could be anyone. It's just funnier with a Kennedy's stupid accent. <laughs> So he's just the president in the book, but you know exactly who it is, of course. And the president had what is just called the presidential, in the book is just called the presidential pimp. 
which was his brother-in-law. Probably. But like, was this Jackie Kennedy's brother? You know how those must be a are. different brother-in-law. Was they this only got one? We had I don't like, his sister it. wasn't married. She was in the fucking institution. Yeah. No, no, that was Rose Roosevelt. No, yeah. it was Rose Kennedy. No, no, it was Rose Kennedy. Kennedy yeah, yeah, was Rose like Kennedy. lobotomized, right? She, she was, was lobotomized. Yeah. She was in this, She was uh, not doing well. I don't not know actually, much. exactly what was you know her issue was, but I, she, she had opinions. Yeah, like I don't know what it really was. Like because Kennedy didn't he sign some important like handicap legislation? Didn't he do something with that? The ADA. I, I don't know. Something no, I don't that. think so. He created the Peace Corps. I know that. Uh, so anyway, that's where you send he those people was so in real life. Kennedy had a lot of affairs, uh, including when he was president, and you know, like before he was married to Jackie, after he was married to Jackie, when he was president, happened a lot. Lots of people around him helped him procure women, including his brother Robert Kennedy and other people around him, and so he. Uh, which I I didn't know this what this went on more than just like one time, but according to this book, she happened to be at some like you know L.A. pool party thing where he also was I don't know a fundraiser. It doesn't doesn't really say, but he was there and he was like, "That's Marilyn Monroe. I want to fuck her. Go talk to her. Set this up. We need to do this pronto." And so he fucks her on the floor of the pool shed, like uh, that day, like like just you know. I thought they flew her in to New York. That was later. That was, that was the, the first time. time. You yeah. don't waste a boner, you know. He knew he didn't have much time. The rest of the book, they call him Pronto because apparently he doesn't last that long. The guy had important business to handle. <laughs> That's what he calls it. And Marilyn this game is like, oh, I love him. Oh, he's so important. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, she gets a phone call like, oh, can you come to New York? Or will you be available to speak to the president at 1030 tonight? And she's like, I don't know. But she does it. And then later, she's like, oh, can you come to the, can you come to New York? He'll be in New York this day. Can you, can you, can you be there that day to see him? And she's like, um, okay. So then she does. And she gets to the hotel room. And he's naked in the bed, but he's on the phone, clearly with, you know, people at the White House, presidential advisors. She doesn't even know really what's like they're talking about going on. He's like, oh, yeah, or just phone calls going on forever. So he makes her blow him. Hail to the chief. He's having his own missile crisis. (laughs) (laughs) Failure to launch here. (laughs) But it is, he's talking about the Cuban Missile Crisis on the phone. It's like, they've got some missiles in Cuba, but I've got something right here that has more pressing matters for your face. <laughs> You're pressing against your cheek. <laughs> no? Nate, come on. You could join in anytime with the candidate. <laughs> Just say any pile of words. So, oh, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. <laughs> I uh, think we're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> Say anything. <laughs> Some of us like it hot. <laughs> no, Luke, I am your father. <laughs> Say anything. <laughs> a shitty fucking Kennedy accent. It's I, fun to I, do. I swear, I swear I've told you guys why they no call it. No one expects it, them to be the, good. Why they, why they named it the Fagawi Regatta. 
Is it because they were always lost? Yeah. Where the fuck are we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nate, come on. Any anything? You had me at hello. <laughs> Just fucking say. <laughs> Just say Forrest Gump lights. Just say what? Life is like a box of chocolates, and I'm going to fuck each one of them. <laughs> stupid is as stupid does, and I'm gonna do you next. <laughs> Nate is no fun. <laughs> <laughs> he just respects JFK too much. Yeah, how dare you speak about New England's greatest son? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to imagine all historical quotes said by JFK from now on. <laughs> on every fictional character. When Gaudium Liviosa. <laughs> Leave the gun, take the cannoli. <laughs> I can't believe Nate won't do one. Oh. I can't believe how dumb everything sounds in Bostonese. <laughs> fucking, you don't even have to do. I'm doing it. I I know I'm doing it badly. It doesn't matter. It's just very. It can't funny. be done well because it's not anything they say goes well. <laughs> Here's Era looking at you, kid. <laughs> say anything. Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. <laughs> Are you uh, talking to me? You must be talking to me. There's uh, no one else here. <laughs> so uh, I guess you're talking to me. <laughs> Say uh, hello to my little jelly donut. <laughs> All right. Yeah. We'll be good, probably. There's so much of this beer left. <laughs> I don't believe you. Okay. E.T. phone home. <laughs> <laughs> so, President Kennedy, first... Makes her blow him. And then... <laughs> and then he gets blown later by uh, another guy. <laughs> he takes a real shot to the head. <laughs> Not the uh, facial I was thinking of. <laughs> He's a real gusha. <laughs> you see the tweet? What if JFK didn't get shot and his head just did that? <laughs> <laughs> Can we ever really know? <laughs> Do you remember his last words of Nate? He was like, Rosebud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Right. I'm, I'm, so, I'm done. I'm done now. The president, <laughs> after he forces Marilyn Monroe to blow him, then like chokes her and then she passes out and then she wakes up and then someone is raping her and it's not clear whether it's kennedy or whether it's somebody else one of his minions and then so she has to endure that and then they're all like you need to leave now like you need to get out of here we need to get you out of here because obviously they're trying to keep it you know the secret service is trying to keep a secret and then she like secret service is like she Puts on clothes real fast. Do you think that's why they're called that? The Secret Service? Like, why would they call that now? Everyone knows who they are. They always stand <laughs> out. They must have to do a lot of really secretive shit for President's fucking ladies. I thought, they were, I thought they were started to deal with, like, counterfeiting. Isn't that why they... They, 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 still run, they still run counterfeiting, yeah. But they started, like, after... They started during Ulysses S. Grant. 
because I saw uh, Wild Wild West. Actually, uh, <laughs> Abraham Lincoln signed the like thing well, he, making. He should have put that service. into effect a little earlier. Literally the week he died, the week uh, he died, he teaching like, how to, per- to procrastinate. <laughs> He signed the thing creating the Secret Service or creating the like presidential protection part of the Secret Service. It seems like they filled the both him and Johnny. But I think that I don't I don't know if I don't think the Secret Service actually did the presidential protection part of it until much later. Yeah, they might not have. I think it was after like we had like four three fucking presidents get assassinated. And they were like, all right, we better do something. Maybe we should like watch these guys. <laughs> no, I, th- I think it was literally after McKinley got assassinated that congress like can you fucking watch the next guy please because <laughs> he's just, like losing presidents here it was every 20 years every, literally every 20 years a president got assassinated at that point it's america baby and so we're behind <laughs> england only had one prime minister get assassinated can you believe that but how many did, kings got beheaded though not many only one only no, two I mean, really one well, by well, cromwell yeah and that in one was charles ii because he was catholic <laughs> well, then, you know, he deserved it. Well, and also William of uh, Hastings, uh, the battle, he killed that guy. Harold, uh, what the fuck his name was? 1066. He died in battle. Wasn't executed. Not, not a beheading. I mean, I think they cut off his dick, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's like, like pretty clearly cut off so his dick. So it was a beheading. The okay. other head, yeah. <laughs> different, it was a different kind of, yeah, exactly. But I think it was like after, you know, like it was, was it Lincoln... Uh, Garfield, McKinley, and the Congress. Can somebody fucking watch these guys? Because they were just walking around in crowds of people. It's like, hey, I'm the president. Where everyone's got a fucking gun. In 1901, when McKinley gets shot, like, there was zero. I mean, there were no automatic. I mean, there probably were something. If you had a Gatling gun, that's an automatic weapon. But a Maxim gun. There were no fucking gun laws. It's like you just go get guns. Like you pick it up next to the dollar store, you know, the the, the, the general store at the bodega, like God intended. And so okay, Congress we like, still have a little bit more book left. We do, we do. I mean, I have to talk so, about this whole journey. So, like, literally, the Secret Service agents are like, literally, one smacks her in the face. Like, you stop being emotional, woman. And then, like, they put her on a plane, and she's still JFK like, is up. like my precious. <laughs> 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 it takes it from us <laughs> I would love to see Lord of the Rings As done in Boston <laughs> Gotta throw the gotta throw the ring Into the, the deep fryer At a Dunkin Donuts <laughs> <laughs> So okay the Secret service agent like beats her And she's like oh and so they put her on a plane back to L.A., and so she does. And then a couple weeks or months later, she gets a phone call like, will you come to the president's birthday celebration, which is actually a like a big Democratic Party fundraiser, where it's but it, only the Square most... Garden? Yeah, Madison Square Garden. Only the most important celebrities, only the biggest celebrities are even going to be allowed to be there. There's so many because there, you know, there are just so many only allowed to be on stage. Will you sing happy birthday to the president? And at first she's like, no, I can't afford it because you know, that, you know, we've got to pay all this money, not just to go there. I can't afford the the dress. dress. I'm filming another movie, which would end up, you would never finish. And so, but the, 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 you know, uh, Kennedy or the democratic party or the Kennedy campaign says, yes, we'll pay for all your costs. And of course they don't. So she, I, then she like goes and buys the like 
dress with all the diamond dress. Five thousand dollars for the dress with all the diamonds on it, with all the shimmery things. <laughs> that Kim Kardashian ruined with her big ass. Oh, recently. that was the one, right? Fuck. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you hear it was the, the actual dress. Yeah. yeah. She 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 took she Marilyn Monroe's dress out of like the Smithsonian or some shit. Whatever the fuck it was hosted. She wore it for part of the evening, and then she wore like a fake version for the right. But like her fucking big plastic ass ripped the dress, like tore the fibers. You know, they just didn't have them that thick back then. They did not. They also didn't have plastic surgery. It's true. That much. That was that dress. <laughs> and now I it's always ruined. thought that this whole happy birthday thing took place in the Oval Office, but I guess it was at. No, you ever watched the video? There's a, you can watch the video of it of her singing. It's fucking all. It's cringy. It's well, really she's not. A, she says she's like not really a good singer. <laughs> but she's she does it in like the baby whisper kind of thing, you know. Like well, I imagine it's seductress. Uh, kind of you know, I think that's what that's what they wanted. Well, and it's probably super awkward to do that in front of everybody. It, it, well, it, you hear different versions of it, like that Kennedy himself was uncomfortable because they're like, wasn't his fucking wife right there? <laughs> She's like, what the fuck no, is No, his dude? wife was not there that night. Oh, all right, but it he was... made damn sure. <laughs> it's my birthday. <laughs> but it's fucking awkward. Like, everybody could see it. It's being... Fi- it's filmed. It's at Madison Square Garden. There's like 17,000 people watching. Ugh, that's weird. It's, it's weird. She was probably the weird. only woman in the room. Yeah, totally. In 1960. One or whatever that was, Democratic Convention. <laughs> like, there were no women <laughs> anywhere at these political events. It's a giant sausage fest. It must have been super awkward. It's like when, you're, when your like, mom calls after you, when you leave with your friends, you're like, Michael, don't forget your colon medicine. And you're like, oh, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, mom. Your colon medicine. And so it's not. Song. It's not said specifically that she <laughs> fucked him that night, but she did. Like it's implied. It, it's, it's implied. Yes, definitely implied. And then a couple weeks later, and this is where the book becomes like. I couldn't tell if this was even supposed to be real or not, but she either imagines or actually gets kidnapped in the middle of the night to have and take her to a hospital to give her an abortion because. She might be pregnant with the president's baby. At that point, I think it is a full-on hallucination because she's taken so much. Like she, at this point, also like it's like a, it's like a fully grown baby, and it's only been like a few days or weeks. I mean, she's and also definitely hallucinating. She's tripping. She's tripping hard, and she's detached almost entirely from reality because of just she's she's doped up every hour of the day by doctors and from her own. Usage, and then she finds out just after that that Cass Chaplin has died, and he died. You know, he's you know as an alcoholic, he like choked on his puke, choked on his own puke because he was so drunk he couldn't even like turn over to puke. So then he choked on it. So and then was it Chaplin? Because yeah, yeah, Cass died. And so then, in real in real life, he didn't die till nineteen. In later, he died in the later sixties. Oh, really? The he son or the father? The father died in the in the seventies. I want to say, no. Yeah. Uh, but the uh, the son died in nineteen sixty eight. Uh, well, in this book, he dies first because oh. it's partly made up. Yeah. Oh, unless it was Mama Cass Chaplin. It was <laughs> first. Oh man, he choked to death on his puke. 
It was a ham sandwich, people. It was Mama Cass. Okay. <laughs> I'm done. Uh, and then, um, uh, so she gets a phone call from Eddie G, from Eddie G. Robinson Jr. And he says, like, yeah, I, he's dead. He died this morning. I discovered his body. But he left something for you. I'm having it delivered. And she's the first, like, I don't know what it is, but I don't want it. But it gets delivered anyway. Which is also the, actually the very first scene of the book where, like, death rode through the streets of LA and brought oh, this, yeah. brought death to me. But it was actually that. the tiger, the tiger doll, the tiger, not doll, uh, tiger um, toy. Stuffed animal. Stuffed animal. Did we talk from about that earlier already? in the book? We did not. No. But it's, at the time, you don't think it's that pivotal of a scene. But it ends up being like, you know, it's something like when they're, one of their drunken hazes, drug-induced hazes, they shatter a toy store window and steal a bunch of toys. The, just uh, the the Gemini guys do when they find out that Marilyn's carrying one of their babies, or both. Um, I don't they think that works. Smush them together to make one super baby. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, one of them breaks the window and then steals a toy. And it's funny. The next the scene later, right after that, is Marilyn goes back to the toy store and she feels bad and she's like, "What happened?" And he's like, "Someone stole everything." And she's like, I would like to, I found this toy in the alleyway. And the guy's like, oh, she's like, I want to buy it. And he's like, well, it's 15 bucks. And it's like the price tag said $8. <laughs> like like she, everyone just, it's just another like s- small indignity, but everyone's just taking advantage of her. So I read that. That was much earlier. And you're like, does this matter? And you're like, I don't know. Eh, fuck it. It's books a thousand pages. And then this weird scene. Well, okay. So at this point, you know, like, oh, she's doesn't have long to live anymore. Uh, not because, much book left. Yep. Not much book <laughs> left. Also because my Kindle, uh, my iPad says 98% or 99%. So she's like at the drugstore. She's like getting a huge supply of pills. She's like, oh, because I'm going to be traveling. And you kind of think, oh, what is it really? But then, and then there's this whole scene where she like is imagining being the like princess again with a... Dark Prince. Oh, we didn't even talk about Marlon Brando, but there's just way too much. We can't talk about everything. So she has this whole like scene where it's all like poetry and she's like a flaming princess who's like diving into a pool to put the flames out. But then it shifts to the sharpshooter, which which you like find out you hear a little bit about him or more like you get a little bit, a few quick little snippets from his perspective way earlier in the book. But then I thought he was like a camera guy. Like at first I thought so too, but then it's like he works for the agency or, and for, for the agency and, and, but like the CIA and is like, Oh, she needs to be eliminated because she might be carrying the president's baby. And so according to like literally this final scene of the book, while she's like drugged and asleep, this guy cia agent cia agent or something breaks into her home and then injects her heart with a like a super overdose of whatever that drug was she was taking to sleep and that's how she died she had a ridiculous amount of drugs in her when she died so i mean her death has always been a conspiracy theorist kind of playground i don't even understand i I was reading about like the amount of drugs that she had it was like that sounds like a lot it's like she had so eight milligrams per hundred milliliters of solution of chloral hydrate, four point five of phenobarbital. Because she mentions buying the thirteen. She, of, she mentions the chloral hydrate is chloroform. Well, she mentions buying 
in the right before she dies. Yeah, phenobarbital is like a sedative. Like she's just like a whole bunch of different heavy duty compounds in high doses. But there were like a bunch of empty medicine bottles found in her room when she died. It's so, more likely that she died of an overdose overdose than being assassinated by the CIA. It's much much simpler, yeah. It's like you know that um there's a David Mitchell, the British comedian, they like a is it the Peep Show? You know, you know that one. The one that's like, are we the I baddies? The uh, with the Nazis and like, are we the baddies? Oh yeah, Mitchell and Webb. Yeah, they have another one where it's like them in like the British Situation Room in 1997. It's like, we need to eliminate Princess Diana. We need to make it look like an accident. Let's make it look like a car crash. But wait, it can't just do a car crash. We need to make it look like the driver was drunk. And they just go with like all of the shit of how Princess Diana actually died. And then I get a phone call and it's like, what? Uh huh. Oh wow, really? <laughs> oh, it's a life imitating art, I guess. Uh, okay, because <laughs> like, 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 that's what conspiracy theorists people fucking like. It never would work like that, but it's just it's. Beca- I think because of the Kennedy connection, people just can't. And then the way he fucking died, not too long afterwards, people suspect all sorts of fishiness here. Yeah. But she probably was a fucking heavy duty drug addict. Well, she absolutely was. That is, well, yeah, and she overdid it. I think she, whether purposely or not, it was it was drug use that she put into her own body. It's just the way more likely scenario. That's it. It's what it is. Like that's the, that's the solution for every conspiracy theory, right? Like what makes more sense, really? <laughs> Do you think they had a like? Thousands of actors at nine at Ground Zero <laughs> to pretend the buildings are like. Or do you think what really happened happened? It's the same thing here. It's a woman who was taking drugs for the last decade and a half died of a drug overdose, or the president of the United States intervened and sent a covert guy to inject her like it's fucking Pulp Fiction in the heart. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, after that really annoyed me. After this whole long book of about like you know really trying to tell the story about how. Marilyn, how much Marilyn Monroe suffered and how difficult her life was and just tragic and sad her life was. And in in, in, as opposed to her like glamorous persona of like this all, like the most amazing woman uh, that in real life she was like incredibly sad and they had it incredibly tough that she was killed and all had all these suicide attempts by taking too many pills multiple times in the book, and then she's killed, and then some CIA agent assassin- assassinates her. It's like, that was dumb. Well, I mean, was, also, it honestly, either or, either it really, it not really happened, really happened in this book that that was the final straw of a lifetime of being used and abused by men and thrown away. Or it was another not real dream sequence because there were plenty of those. Like a solid chunk of the book was her hallucinations or fever dreams or just like artistic expressions of things going on. So it's, I don't think they're saying this is how she died. Even in this, even I know Joyce Carol is not a conspiracy theorist thing. Marilyn Monroe was assassinated. But saying in the context of this book, I don't know that that's what actually happened in the book either, because so much of it wasn't really happening. It's impossible to know, and you're probably not even supposed to be able to tell. Well, as it, J- it would seem corny if that was the real ending, though. As JFK himself said, "You can't handle the truth." <laughs> so we can, 
<laughs> That's not a knife. This is a knife. <laughs> I'll have what she's having. <laughs> I don't know if it's real or not. I mean, it, it's that seems like a cop out to be like. Who is she? Think, she was I fantasizing. Think that that. is way too calculated. Do something that much of a corny cop out. I think that she. Would the thing is, she wrote this book like 24 years ago. Like the state of like I don't know, things were different. It's, it's also, it's the last scene of a four billion page book. I don't think she's going to drop the ball. She is a very calculating writer. But wasn't there a fucking Marilyn Monroe movie uh, around this time? What the fuck was her name? Uh, Mira Servino was in it. Yeah, 1996. Norma Jean and Marilyn was a TV movie with with. Uh, I'm sure it was great. Ashley Judd and Mira Servino. And that one, that one also has a thing where like there's like two actors. One plays Norma Jean and one plays Marilyn Monroe. Like that's weird, but all right. I think one is like the glamour. You know, one's that's the movie's called Norma Jean and Marilyn. Like they're two different to play like the the studio version. And then this book does the same kind of thing. You know, there's well, Paris. this book does a similar thing, but except at some point she stops being Norma at all. Yeah, and just is full time blonde actress because Norma ceases to exist. I, I don't know. I, I, I agree. I think uh, Joyce Carolos doesn't do anything by accident. But... It doesn't do anything that dumb. I, I, I mean, it's certainly possible. I, I just think I'd be really surprised she's like, yeah, that's how I ended the CIA killed her. Like, what? After all this? It does seem ridiculous. I guess we won't know, though. But the truth is out there. <laughs> okay, so what did you think of the book? Um, it was ample. <laughs> there was a lot of book. Ample in what sense, Michael? In every sense. There was, there was just of the bosom. There was a lot of sex stuff in there. And after, I mean, that was kind of like the theme of the book was like the sexual activity slash abuse of Marilyn Monroe slash Norma Jean. Because that's what her career was, was her being sexualized. Yeah, I get all that. Um, was I don't she know. like the it, first, like open sex symbol or at least the biggest one i'm sure not the first but no there are earlier i mean like marlena dietrich is one and who gets mentioned in the book i forgot who it is ava gardner but someone fucks her and he's like i thought marlena dietrich was hot it was that in the line of the book i thought there's a yeah there's there's a scene where she's like they pit her against the new hot girl like the blonde and the brunette Sinatra's wife. I was like, who's that? I was like, ava gardner is like that's a name i've heard once i don't know who that is though yeah she was married to sinatra for a few years She's, she's like, everything she, is dumb. Everything I hate movies. I just would say them because I don't want to be a prostitute. And Marilyn's just like, I like acting. But yeah, there were other, certainly other it girl types. You know, not quite as... Not as um, big. Sultry as, you know, not, not quite as, you know, revealing outfits and such as, as Marilyn Monroe. But they were from earlier times. Like, But they were definitely... Were PG outfits these days. I mean, what Marilyn Monroe, if you look at any fucking picture of her except for the nude ones she could like there are disney princesses who wear more revealing outfits than that there are mermaids that wear less than her well that's little ones yeah (laughs) even the big ones well that's why uh you know why why ariel wears seashells she outgrew her b shells (laughs) (laughs) they're uh yeah, I don't know. I, I the book is 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 great. It's a, it, there was like there were points where I was, doing, I was like, I don't know what the fuck is happening right now, but I'm just gonna keep going. And I'm not the type that gives up on a book usually, 
helps, but uh, so it helped, and it definitely helped to have this podcast. I had to, like read as much of it as I could. <laughs> for I thought it was I thought it was still very good. It should have been shorter though. I really think it was too much. I was interested all the way through. You know, each part was interesting, and even though it was a little bit repetitive, but actually not that much for a seven hundred and fifty page book. But yet, I did have to think, man, this could be shorter. You know, because we're trying to tell all of somebody's life. Or it suffers from the same problem as biopics do, where it's just kind of like telling somebody's life from like when they were young to when they were old and then they die isn't actually the most interesting story. I thought this book was actually... It's, it's, it's amazing. Like, it, I, I, I will admit, I didn't love every second of it. I thought it was just as a as a work as a as like a what's the fucking word? like not as a work of art but as like a piece as a book it's it's a fucking massive thing to undertake and it she pulls it off I think it's hard at times it is I think it is too long certainly but I I was never bored it was just like oh my god this is long but it was interesting throughout and it's such a it's such a weird fucking thing to do I feel like Joyce Carol Oates could write about anything. Like, she clearly does. This is one of her only books that's not about upstate New York. <laughs> no, she has all sorts of random shit. You told us on the last one. She has the Jeffrey Dahmer book. Oh, she yeah. has, like, detective one story book books. She has fucking zombie ghost books. She writes anything she feels like writing. I'm sure if she wrote a book about a fucking, the, like, the making of the phone book, she could find a way to write it really well. Like we could read a book of hers every year and not be done for half a century. No, we'll die before she's done writing them. <laughs> but, you know, was, I, I thought it was... I gave it five stars. I will say I, it was not something that I loved or I will even want to read again. But I, I think it's also something that, like, because of the way we have to do this, like, to burn through it is hard. If you had, like, time to, like, read a little bit of this over the course of, like, two or three months while you're reading something else, I think it would really settle in as, like, holy shit, this is a, this is a thing. This is a fucking project. And, you know, props. Props to Joyce. It's still a bizarre concept. It's like, let me write a fictional biography of a person who was real. And this is, what, this is my question that I had. I was like, does, can you do this for, does it make more sense as a book of fiction? Because Marilyn Monroe, the person, the idea was also not a real person. Even in this book and in real life. She was, Norma Jean was a real person. Marilyn was an act. I don't she think was she was a fictional person in a way. I th- I think that's fake though. Like it's not like a persona. Like that was her stage but it kind name. Of was a persona. That's like a, a a much more modern sentiment. I feel like of like I'm a per- like this is the character I'm going to well, play. Well, I mean, she wrote this now. Yeah, but like I think you know if you were to have spoke, I imagine if you were to have spoken to Norma Jean. She'd have been like, yeah, whatever, you know, this, this is my job, this is what I do. I don't think she would have been like, this is my elaborate, you know, performance that I'm doing in everyday life. I feel yeah, like... I, I, don't, I don't know, besides this book, I don't know fucking anything about her. I don't know if people really do think she was an incredible actress. I have no idea. But, but that just sounds like fucking Andy Kaufman. <laughs> like, I'm going to be this character all the time. I don't think she thought like that. I don't think anybody thought like that in the 1950s. I don't know. And I don't I even mean, think she liked, or at least from what I can tell from this book, she didn't even like doing it. She didn't, but she did it. Well, she just did the shitty thing, you know, to get where she wanted to get next, which is 
the cynical way of looking at all of life. But she also <laughs> was, she was locked in. She had no real choice. Yeah, well, everyone took advantage of her in every, every which way. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of details are exaggerated or fictionalized, whatever, but I'm, I'm sure the yeah, gist I, of that I is probably no true. Idea what was real and what was not. It's I hard. I, 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 and as much as I enjoyed it, I also don't want to go and find out what was real and what was not because I don't, I don't really care that much about her as per like I'm I'm sure she went through some shit and that sucks, but I'm not that interested in yeah, I get it. her life and what it was really like. Like I'm just not I'm not that interested in most biographies of people. Yeah, for the rest of my life, I'm sure this is what I will know about Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> this, this, but it wasn't. But it was fiction. Happened. <laughs> but it was actually fiction. Like at least loosely based on real life, and maybe yeah. even more than loosely. But still, a lot of my my perception for the rest of my life, because I won't bother looking up more, will be that oh no, she had a really hard life. I mean, and I'm, I'm sure, sure that was true. Of the orphanage part was real. Like she really did. That was all real. So she did have a hard life, and she was probably shot up with everything under the sun. So we know that happened to other people. Yeah, and it so, was, sure. that's objectively a thing. So I, I don't. I'm sure there's some made up details in here, but I'm sure that ballpark. This was mostly accurate, if not blurry. We didn't even know why we're doing this book. Besides, mm-hmm. I was just said the miniseries, right? So what the fuck is that show going to be like? It's going to be weird. I think a lot of it will work better in a show sense because then they could, you could, it could be clearer what is fantasy and what is not. You know, what I don't is know, sometimes they make some real weird shit these days where you can't tell what's going on. Well, maybe when you watch it, you'll say, "What we have here is failure to communicate." <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking more movie quotes. Yes, we have a T Rex. <laughs> Mrs. Robinson, are you trying to seduce me? He never asked that. He knew. No. Mr. Robinson, go away. <laughs> Take your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty ape. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's an amazing book. It's like you get to the end, you get through it, and you're like, what the fuck? I, this is great, whether I got it capital, or not. Is, is this a capital G great? <sighs> I know we only use that for like classical works, but. This might be one of those like modern day like this is a a great work whether or not you really, enjoy it it is a is a thing it it is a really as you said behold. it's a really fucking weird one though to be a capital it's just a bizarre G concept book. yeah it's like okay the one of the greatest books of the last twenty five years is a fictionalized biography <laughs> of a celebrity from forty years before the book came out that's pretty random but yeah. I don't Joyce, know. Joyce pulls it off man I don't know. I haven't read enough of her shit to know. This like, is what our second Joyce. This book? is our second. Yeah. This is yeah. So I mean, I haven't I will, read anything out, anything else off of the podcast. So I will read more. She's um, only got another forty, seventy-five, hundred books to go. Well, yeah, it's either her or Stephen King are in competition for writing the most shit. But well, actually, he writes the most shit. Uh, <laughs> but in terms of the stuff, uh, I'm sure even her there. like lesser thans are still pretty good. Yeah, I'm sure they are. Whereas, I mean, she's she's a book nerd's writer, and there's nothing wrong with that. Who should read it, though, I guess is the ultimate thing, right? Who has a free six months? Because we read all the time, and this was an endeavor. For we had to reschedule person, shit fucking, to try to finish it in time. We had to, we had to push this back multiple weeks. Yeah. Regular people, this could take fucking 
and by regular people, I don't mean like we're superhuman readers, but just like people who just read casually for fun. One, not fun. It's, Two, it's, a, it's intense. It's massive. Right? It's like reading War and Peace, but I actually enjoyed it. That's true. So this one's more War and Penis. I got penis. way more out of it. War and Penis, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. <laughs> Nothing, Nate. You can't do one. <laughs> just try it. Just yeah, say I'm jiggy with it. Just say <laughs> it. Just open the pod bay doors. Just say it, Nate. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. The pod bay doors. It's wicked cold in space. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought the book was definitely good, and I was definitely interested all the way through. But you know what? I'm gonna have to give it four stars, not five. Because I, I didn't I, I went love back and it forth. I went back that and forth. much. I didn't love it that much. Still very good, but I didn't love it quite enough. This is one of the rare instances where I was like, this is probably a four-star book because based on how much I enjoyed it, but I'll bump it up because I know it's better than what I thought of it. <laughs> Normally, it's like, I know it's a great book, but I hated it, like all those classics. But like this one was like, I know this one deserves it. Because just because I had to burn through it for this and I didn't get everything, I know it's, I know like this is a five star, but you know, the star system is, is bullshit. So it is what it is. But I, I definitely considered giving it four and I was like, no, I'm going to do five. I'm That's kind generous. of the theme of the book, Jimmy. The star system of Hollywood is bullshit. <laughs> oh, well it is. Yeah. <laughs> I when think you wish upon a star. <laughs> You'll find that Soylent Green is people. <laughs> All right. I think uh, if you I like... I found a secret window. <laughs> I don't know any more old movies. I'm trying to think. Uh, I think this apocalypse is happening now. <laughs> I uh, uh, love the smell of napalm, uh, especially in the morning. <laughs> I think if you like literature, like If you're a books, lit nerd. If you are a lit nerd, if you, you love getting lit, <laughs> yeah, get lit with this. Absolutely, getting lit with Joyce Carol Oates is her name well, of her PBS special. <laughs> <laughs> See with her sideways cap on. Hello, homies. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings, homies. Are you down with reading? <laughs> We're gonna get jiggy with these books this week. <laughs> But speaking of lit, it turns out Marilyn was perhaps her own worst enemy. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Ooh. Wow. That came right back around. There you go. <laughs> I think if you like... Let me you... bend down, flip it, and reverse it. <laughs> I am uh, walking here. I'm walking here. If you, I think if you like literature books, if you like, you know, higher brow books... Fine literature. You'll... Yeah, you'll love this. If you're, it is a challenge. I would, I would never, like the average person. If you're like, hey, you know about Marilyn Monroe? Like, yeah, no, yeah, she's fascinating, interesting, or whatever. Um, yeah, Fap City, but whatever they say, like they're <laughs> <laughs> gonna know something about her. But if you like, hey, do you want to read a 750 fucking page fictionalized fucking biography, hallucinating biography? fictional thing and you're like uh i don't know about what those fucking words mean in that i think this is the most interesting biography i've ever read probably because it's not true (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's that's fair i think you have to be a big a book nerd to like it 
and that's uh, just because it it's hard at points, you know. And I don't well, want I don't want, I don't want to come off as uh, elitist, like oh, you can't understand it, like a gatekeeper. Because I didn't understand it either. <laughs> no, fucking yeah, I get shit. But if you're not a person who likes a challenging read, you're not going to love this. But it is a great book. You should read it if you like. Because it's challenging and really long. It was Which, just challenging and short, like a chode. You could get through it, but it is both challenging and this is it's a it's a long fucking book. Challenging and really long is what they say about my penis in my fantasies, but in real life, <laughs> not quite. Say uh, hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> Tell us what you thought. <laughs> Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail dot com. Follow us on Twitter, drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at Drunk Guys Book Club. And if you've uh, listened this long, you want to support the podcast, head over to patreon.com slash Drunk Guys Book Club and show me the money. Uh, <laughs> and you can do this. <laughs> be so disappointed I can't do this ever again. Uh, uh, or just leave us a review and uh, or just go uh, yell out Drunk Guys Book Club into a crowded, uh, crowded train car. That way, <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> chowder train car. Yeah, chowder. That's Boston Chowda? Uh, Manhattan clam chowder is what came out of his fucking head. <laughs> <laughs> and check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Jesus Christ.